0: Hey yo, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Road Podcast. I'm DJ Crooked. I got DJ Never, Yo, what's Jamie up? the Great, yeah. uh DJ D Miles, what up? What up? And we got a special guest by way of Philly, by way of New York, all the way here in Vegas. Uh, we got the icon himself, Mr. DJ Mighty Mai. What's, what's up, man? Guys? Yep, yep, yep. Very happy to be here. Yo, thanks for coming through, man. Yeah. Yeah, man, we, we got your little uh, shout on Twitter and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was
1: serious at first. And I was nah, like, oh. I mean,
0: Milo was just like, what would you say? Um, trolling? No, yeah, he was was a trolling Kind of a
1: little bit. Yeah. Uh, someone, like, someone said, uh, why isn't you Mighty Mai on the show? And then Mighty Mai replied, and he said, because uh, Crooked doesn't like you yeah. or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, I thought they were cool.
2: Nah, there's always been this weird kind of, and or it, between us, and it's, there's no foundation in it. We've never had beef or anything. It's nah. just, for some reason, there's always been, think, like, this weird...
0: Yeah, I think, like, there was a time when I was on Twitter, and I went to, like, I was, like, so hammered. I was, like, beyond drunk. I was at <laughs> And it was, like, I don't know. I think there was, like, three DJ booths, so there's, like, two DJ booth setups. Uh-huh. And there was, like, there was no DJ in the DJ booth. And it was, like, for, like... F- half an hour I was there and I'm like and I just tweeted out like "Yo, I was so drunk too I was like yo someone's playing a mix CD and, <laughs> and shit who the fuck is the DJ here and then it just got all over like Twitter like yo they've got someone's playing a, a mix CD and then Miles was like yo what the fuck are you talking about like I'm over here spinning <laughs> And I was like, yo, like, I don't know. I guess I was drunk. I don't I didn't see the other booth. And then someone said, like, I think I was talking to Never.' He's like, yo, that's not even the DJ. They got another DJ booth or something, right? Was there, like, two? Or I think it was There was, was the like, two of, other, of them, yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe there was, like, one, like, towards the outside. Or I don't yeah. know what the fuck was going on.
2: One of those nights where the opener is not worthy to share the same stage as the Oh, yeah. shit.
0: Yeah, no, no. But what do you call it? Yeah, I guess we. I just we just never really hung out like, and we're we're and we live in the same building, yo. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I think it's just like it's just a weird thing, <laughs> yo. Yeah, yeah. But um, glad to have you here, man. Thank Appreciate you, man. it. Thanks. I'm a big fan. Growing up, you know, obviously in the '90s, I was always a big fan of like High and Mighty. Oh, thanks. You know, man. Smut Peddlers, You know what I'm saying? And uh, you guys created, I you know, one of the most classic like freestyle beats ever you know what i'm saying uh hold on let me pick it up real quick uh and never you got a lot of history with never i know that for sure yeah so yeah. i mean i kind of want to go back cuz i know your roots are in philly and you you know i i want to say like
3: you never you were saying that he put he put dj am on or something or he kind of well, is it true that you like show am his first set of turntables? Yep. That, wow. That,
2: damn, that's crazy. I'll paint man. the picture real <laughs> quick. What happened? Um, we were just hanging out and AM had this very um, kind of non disciplined vibe to him. Like we were all from the same section of Philadelphia, but like we had parental structure and stuff. My dad was like a professor at Temple University and we all went to the same school, but Adam had this different kind of aura to him. Like this free willing he could do anything like, you know, smoke weed during the day at 15 and yeah. just kind of like that movie Kids, you know, like he had oh. that kind of aura <laughs> So we started hanging out and connecting on hip hop and he was actually an original member of the High and Mighty as the beatboxer. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> He was a very good beatboxer, actually. So um,
3: you guys try to, you guys, I mean, you try to be like the fresh... Was Jesse Jeff and the Fresh Prince? Yeah, he was ready. Lady Box Funny.
2: Um, What year was this? This was um, when, I'd say it was 86. 86. Bad was out because he came over my crib, and that's Mm -hmm. when it happened. I said, I want to show you some videos. You know, videos were big back Uh then. You would tape videos, you know? So I showed him the LL Bad video, and that's when he saw the turntables in my crib. And when you see two techniques in that wooden Gemini mixer, it either like, you fall in love with it at first yeah, sight mm-hmm. or you don't, you know. Yeah. So he did, and um, then he moved to California, and our friendship was kind of uprooted, oh, yeah. you know. So, um, But definitely his early hip-hop experiences were with us in Philly. Wow, Chile.
0: man. What, what got good. you into DJing in Philly?
2: <laughs> the fact that I was a terrible rapper. <laughs> oh, oh you was trying to be a rapper, too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and then going to those early shows at the Spectrum in Philly, you know, where the Sixers and the Flyers played um, and seeing those big rap shows there. And then seeing the turntable set up on the two steel anvil cases with the mixer in the middle and Jam Master Jay and uh, Prince Paul for Stetsasonic and, of course, Jeff. And, and you would just hear that bass rub come in the Spectrum speakers and it was like this crazy shit. So I was like... I fell in love with it there and the fact that I couldn't rap. Oh, shit. <laughs> so
3: you got your first set of turntables when you was 13?
2: Um, I'd say a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I'd say 1986-ish, 7, so probably 14 or 15. Wow, right. Worked at Foot Locker. Mm-hmm. Saved up my money for the whole summer. Yeah. And then bought one. You could only That's afford cool. one, and then you'd save up and get the second one. What kind were they? <laughs> um techniques? Yeah oh shit the 1200s those were a lot back then. yeah like 400 maybe that was a lot
0: 450 was a lot yeah it was a lot of money back then it was like it was like i don't know equivalent like if you saw someone on direct drive 1200 techniques it was like like a gold chain almost like that kind of status (laughs)
2: opening (laughs) that box and taking it out was like the greatest day ever
1: that's crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: and the weight on it was like 50 pounds It just felt heavy It's,
0: it's, it's 25 like, pounds yeah, It was crazy yo. yeah. Do you yeah.
3: still have Your original techniques? No I have mine Really? From 90 I got I got mines like in 91
2: Wow and I still haven't yeah. And they still work? They still work Wow yeah. I think I'm on my third set now Oh yeah, yeah. I had a pair of <laughs> green ones Remember sometimes You would paint yeah, them Yeah yeah I had green ones for years And then those died.
0: So you was So you got into the DJ thing You got your first turntable and then, I mean, what was going on in the radio? Like, did you want to be on the radio? Did you want to do parties? Like, how did how did it evolve to you DJing and ultimately kind of, cause I, cause never see, cause when I came into the DJ scene in New York, probably like two thousand one, I would he, uh, it was kind of like when I was coming up, Neville was there and there was all these other DJs there, but I would I would hear about you, but I've never heard you play even back then, and it may have been the time when I kind of missed it, or it was like. I wasn't in the... I didn't really, really get into the scene where I was even allowed in some of the clubs till, like, 2000, end of 2001, 2000. Yeah, well we're a lot two, older yeah. than you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like... And then, so, I, I wanted to know, like, w- what happened in Philly, How what you were doing, the parties there, and then, obviously, whenever I see a dude, like, you know, kind of move, into New, move to New York, which isn't easy, man, and tend to, to build a name in New York, which isn't easy, and, you know... And to be successful and, and do all the things that you accomplished, and work with Rocas and have all of these records during a pivotal time in underground New York scene in the underground New York scene, right when Rockus was running shit. Um, I want to kind of go through that whole pathway, you know what I'm saying? So, like in Philly, what would like you know what made you wanted to do parties? Was it college? Was it all of this shit? You know right. what was going on? Pretty much.
2: I'd say for the first five years of my DJing, it was strictly battling and trying to scratch and eventually try to produce and do a scratch chorus like Premiere or Pete Rock. That was like the goal of my first seven or eight years of being into hip-hop as an artist.
0: Was production on the table or just the DJing aspect Just the
2: DJing initially um, and wasn't even thinking about doing clubs. I think I did my high school prom and that was a big deal. But it was all about just scratching and being from Philly and being influenced by Jeff and Cash Money and Miz Mm -hmm. and just being as skilled as you could be. Then I went up to college in Boston at at BU, and I started seeing dudes rocking the clubs there. And I was still underage, but, like, I had a fake ID, and, like, I was like, wow, like, this could be fun. Like, I was still totally into battling and had kind of – Acclimated myself into the local Boston DJs. There was this incredible DJ named Nestle Quick and um, used to battle up there, but then s- kind of slowly started to try to party rock and um, saw all the college girls kind of reacting in the clubs, <laughs> you know, like, You know, this is something I can then, but my initial demo tapes and, and coincidentally, it was all the light group guys that were running the clubs in Boston, Andy Massey and Sean Christie. And so that's how I connected with them and Justin. Justin was a security guard at a Boston yeah. club. and he Justin saw- Hoffman, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, And G-Squared. And he saw me spin and was like, wait a minute. Like, I don't want to be a security guard. I want to be the DJ. So we <laughs> started a night called Psychedelic Soul Shack on Thursdays. And it was a ripoff of Soul Kitchen in New York, mm-hmm. minus the, the serving of 40s, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so we played all Soul Classics and stuff. And then... Um continued doing parties, and I was doing three or four nights a week now up in Boston, but still going to college, but was way more kind of just like a local Boston DJ. And um, And what year was this? This was um, about 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bobito came up to BU to host a party. Mm-hmm. and we had a mutual friend. And I remember Eon came and rhymed for him. Yeah. And he really liked Eon and he invited him down to, to go on Stretch and Bobito. And that was kind of like the pivotal time for High and Mighty. Like, that gave Eon confidence that, like, hey, like, if Bobito and Stretch, like, support. So then we started doing promos for Stretch and Bob. You know, he would oh, yeah. start the show off with, like, And I was really into that growing up here in those Red Alert promos and Mm -hmm. Chuck Chill Out promos. So I was really into sampling old, putting samples in and having Eon rhyme around the samples. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How'd you link up with Eon? Um, We're just like best friends from growing up in Philly together. Known him since fourth grade. And so
0: he was always just rapping?
2: Yeah. And then then he coincidentally went to school in Boston too. So we were able to continue doing demos and trying to like, you know, progress our sound. So
0: when y'all were doing demos, were you like... Were you just playing instrumentals, like kind of scratching them back and forth while he was rhyming, initially. or were
2: you, or were you trying to really make beats and shit? In high school, we would rhyme over all the Forty Five King instrumental albums. <laughs> <laughs> that was our go-to. Um, and then I think sophomore, junior year of college, I finally could afford the MPC um, sixty, where the pads didn't cut off each other initially. You know, so right, right. I, um, so I had that for a couple of years, and then. Um, we graduated in 94 and moved to New York. And that's when actually a year before, um, Jonathan Schechter had introduced me to bill Spector and bill was like this big downtown New York party promoter and he mm-hmm. was doing all the cool parties. You know, stretch was his main DJ and DJ jewels and all these New York kind of downtown DJing legends. So my first party, while I was still up in school in Boston, I came down to New York and did the Village Gate for him. Do you remember the Village Gate? I do remember, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you had to be on point back then, like, there was a time in the night during the club night where famous rappers would come on stage and, and rhyme, yeah. and you had to, like, go back and forth on Impeach the President and, like, <laughs> <laughs> so far from what happens in the nightclub right now, you know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. So um, I did a couple of those, and I remember Barbido dancing with Rosie Perez like right in front of the DJ booth as I'm playing like Super Loversy, you know, it's just like a different time. <laughs> but that's how I kind of acclimated into the New York club scene, while still being in school in Boston and then moved to New York in 94 and just kind of continued doing those clubs. Yeah.
4: You
3: know what, um, the first time I met you, I feel like you're the first DJ to do open format. You was doing it before it was called open format, because you was doing hip hop along with 80s pop and 80s R&B. And nobody was really doing that at the time. And I remember the first time I heard you, I was like, amazed. You kind of inspired me to, like, DJ like that as well. Yeah? Yeah. Good talk. Was that at Life? It wasn't Life. It was, like I say, it was a spot on 6th um, Avenue. Oh, man. It was a lounge. I forgot the name of it. But then the second time I heard you was at Indochine. The, mm-hmm. the party oh, that yeah. used to be downstairs. Yeah, that was a good party. That was a fucking dope party. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> what, where did that come from? When you were incorporating the
0: eighties, was was there any other DJs that were doing that in Philly or Boston, or were you like one of the first to just kind of mix it all in?
2: I'd say um, initially, I was a total hip hop snob. All I wanted to do was buy hip hop records. I didn't buy anything else. You know, all I had to do was get doubles of all the Flavor Unit and all these records. You know, and then <clears throat> as I Started to go to New York clubs more. I would come up from Philly at like 18, and Schechter would take me to like you know Quandos and all these cool New York clubs, and I would see Stretch, and I would see um, that you had to have like your reggae set had to be on point. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, that was a huge part of yeah. the night, you know. And but bet- at that
0: time, didn't they have like a dude that came in with dude that did a reggae set, kind of a little
2: bit? Not initially. Like really, Stretch and those guys, they were they were good at all the genres you know yeah. so I was like um, I was like damn I have to expand if I'm gonna like you know do well in New York but I would, then I started kind of playing all genres like while I was still in Boston like I kind of brought that New York style up to Boston for a little while when I was in college in there mm-hmm. and then just kind of brought it back down to New York when I played there but um, I would say um like Jules and Stretch and those guys were a major influence on yeah. me. Yeah,
3: because at the time when I that's when I started going to the parties downtown Uh huh. and it was you, Stretch, Jules and Mark Ronson. Right. Y'all was like running everything. Y'all was doing all the dope parties. I think when I came into the scene
0: like 2001, 2002 like Stretch and Mark were kind of slightly over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that right? A little bit? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, like you didn't see Mark DJing as much I would maybe see him Upstairs at the park mm-hmm. And then Stretch I know he was like Pretty much done He was like over it Yeah Yeah cause I would only See him at Lotus Like maybe Twice a month Or once a month mm-hmm. And then he was doing that uh Was Soho Grand On Monday Yeah yeah. And then he would no, just Play right. nothing yeah. but rock yeah. mm-hmm. And then like All of these Hip hop heads Would go to like They'd be like Oh Stretch is at Soho Grand <laughs> And he'd just be playing Like just indie rock, and we're like, yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and everyone's just, like, drinking. And it was at the lobby of a hotel, mm-hmm. wow. and it was just packed. Damn. And it was just, like, this dude, it just seemed like a weird time, and I think that's when, like, maybe I came up, mm-hmm. Reach came up, yeah. Ellie Escobar came up, um, Rock the Con, mm-hmm. and then Ross One and some of these other dudes started coming up in New York. We were, yeah, like, yeah. This, we were actually maybe the last breed of vinyl DJs and then you know. So then, you're doing these parties. I remember I tried to get into life, and I, I would I would like I would never get in. I stopped trying. To get into that <laughs> shit. Yeah. But life was the shit at the time. I mean, yeah. I remember like, I just remember, who else was there? Ted the Dillinger.
3: Yeah, he was there. Um, Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> I think Clark Kent. Mark. Clark, Clark Kent was Mark. one of your big influences exactly. too, right? What's Clark that? Kent. That was one of your big oh, influences. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Clark's the greatest. Yeah.
3: I've never seen Clark Kent live. Me either. Shit. I you mean know, I've never seen him. actually I've seen him once he did the um, new, music, new music seminar
2: you were at that party the afros over, party yes oh, over plaza that yeah. was amazing how dope was it? that oh, he man. was playing
3: like all breakbeats and it was like it was amazing and he was, was using
2: that newmark with the sampler on yeah. it, you know that big yeah. newmark with mm-hmm. this fader on one side and he was doing the dude, sample he was so good dude
3: i was standing next to ice cube he had just released his album. He was just chilling there, just yep. like
2: bopping his head. And I was like, oh, and shit. And I was this huge low-profile fan, and DJ Aladdin was there. Oh, and he yeah. he was one of Clark Kent's. That's like, right, yeah. And he was like being a bartender, and I remember he went up to Clark. He was like, can I get on, please? And Clark was like, nah, just chill. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, I think that party really blew up Clark Kent. He did? Like, after that. It was like, everybody went to, like, fucking
2: book him. I went to that party with Shecky and Dante Ross, and we were going up those steps of Irving Plaza. You know, there's those mm-hmm. steps yeah. where you go up. Yeah. And some girl, like, grabbed Dante, like, that he was, like, finished with. And, uh-huh. like, she was like, Dante, please, just listen to me. And he was like, get away from me. And I was like, man, that dude is cool. <laughs> I was like 16, yeah? Damn.
0: So uh, what was the first i remember Wait, i'm trying to figure it out the b-boy document 99 right and then and then also one by one right Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to remember at that time so this is like the era of like fat beats right the arsonist company flow yeah um uh most def you know reflection eternal Mm -hmm. uh who else am i missing that whole scene j j live yeah uh jay perry was doing production jay Mm -hmm. perry was a dj he was doing a lot of mixed mixtapes maybe around that time
2: dilated yeah Yeah. the Mm -hmm. whole west coast high tech yeah
0: high tech yeah so like that was the whole era how did that come about you
2: guys making those records uh well like i said me and eon were childhood friends so like we always had a group and we just kind of took it Serious at different points of our life. You know, like, you know, we would take, we would make a demo in college and then we would kind of, like, chill. And, and then, like I said, when Bobito invited us to go do the show, that kind of, like, put um, confidence in us. And um, so then we started taking it seriously. And... Um, well, like, people were, at
0: that time, everyone was listening to Stretch and Bobito. Right. Were there any, like, deals on the table after that, you know, after that, after you guys were on his show? No. Was there any, like, generated
2: interest or anything? I think just putting records out consistently, almost like these producers do now, you know, like, you never heard of Avicii, and then, like, a year later, he had, like, five records that he put out, you know, right. any guy who kind of gets a um, a vibe going these days, like, seems to just, like, put out product, like, boom, 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 so that was us, in you know 1997 you know just having the smut peddlers and high and mighty and but all. like
0: walk us through that because even me at this time i mean i know how i know how motherfuckers do it now like they make a song they don't even master it they just fucking put it on south yeah. and then they just like try to market it as much as possible through social media right and and your time i mean you guys could have one record could have taken two months to put out right right uh so like how did you know you had something good like did you press it yourself on vinyl? Did you have to create your own label? What did you got, you know, what you had to do? Like, it must have been a, a, a shit ton of work. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And what was the funding behind it? Your DJing, you know, yeah. like all of that stuff. So just kind of want to see what was the beginning to end start for that. I, you know actually, I, mean?
3: I remember you gave me um, a copy of um, B-Boy Document, a promo at Bowie Bar. Really? Back in the days. Yeah. Nice. And I was like amazed. I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I felt blessed. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this guy got, you know, he gave me this promo. He got a record. was like,
2: yo,
1: yeah.
3: this shit is done. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I wouldn't even know where to get shit pressed in New York. You know what I mean? Like, what was, what it was, was in that? New Jersey? In this Jersey? It called
2: Hub Serval. They had been around. It was on the New Jersey train, um, Turnpike. And you would go down there and it was like these, you know, farmer looking people like at this huge record pressing plant that's pressing your record. But like, they didn't care what was on it. They were the furthest thing from music fans. They just knew how to, you know, they had this pressing plant. But like you said, yeah, it was always funded by DJ money. You'd go out, you'd make your DJing money, spinning parties, and you'd put that back into the group, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, yeah, it was all independent before we got signed to Raucus. We had a label called Eastern Conference Records, Mm -hmm. you know, sports, Mm -hmm. always tying in the sports because we were just sports fans. And uh, so, yeah, so we started putting stuff out and kind of competing with Raucus, You know, you'd see the new Most Deaf record on there, or Company Flow, and... And then I think B Boy Document '99 caught their attention because it had Most Def and LP on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, right. so they were like, "Oh, so we caught their attention." And then Paul Rosenberg was our manager, you know, and he was Eminem's manager. So we got the Eminem collab going, and it was just kind of me working as an executive producer, like slash producer. Like, well,
0: uh, how did you how did you hook up with Paul?
2: Uh, through Shecky,
0: through Shecky? <laughs> Shecky, the connector. We I co- didn't, you, well, I mean, never you were saying it was, was Cage part of to High and Mighty? He was smart peddlers. Smut Peddler, he was Smut Peddlers
2: yeah, yeah. So, Smut Peddlers is just High and Mighty and Cage together.
0: Oh, um, okay, okay. So, then how did you find Cage just from being on the scene, you know, like in I, New York or Philly, yeah, in New York, in New York,
2: like he was on final because I know
0: nothing about Cage, all I know is about. The Agent Orange record, right, and it was like you know, obviously a sample of Clockwork Orange. It's fucking bananas. I mean, at the Riz time, Riz on when, the cuts. Oh, I didn't know that. Really, oh, yeah. Riz on the cuts. Oh, yeah. Shit. Shit. So like when uh when that record dropped, I remember I was like, yo, this is the. It was all over uh, Stretch and Bombido. It was like one of the top underground
2: joints. Right. And did you guys produce that or no? Um, but it kind of caught our. Ear, you know obviously and we started doing shows with him because high and mighty was doing shows and he was doing shows and then we disagreed to do a single together you know the one by one joint and i um, yeah mixed it at mark ronson's crib and he he helped me mix it and yeah i want
1: to play some of this shit because i don't know if motherfuckers know i have a question when you were putting out records uh and competing with raucous were you doing it to compete with them or were you just putting it out because y'all were in love with the, with, the, with the music or whatever? Was there any competitive nature towards it or knowing you guys were kind of going head to head?
2: Not intentionally, but just trying to be the best independent label on the scene. Like, so Fat Beats was like the culmination of the whole scene. Yeah. So going to Fat Beats and seeing your records on the shelf and actually hanging out in Fat Beats and watching people buy it was like this kind of fuel you know, Mm -hmm. to be competitive and go see what's happening at Fat Beats and smoke a blunt and go down there and (laughs) get on the tables. It was a very kind of, like, familial scene, you know, headed by Eclipse.
0: I want to say, like, I want to say Fat Beats, it was a record store, right? I want to say it was almost like a Spotify. And it's like if you made it to the Rap Caviar playlist, it was like you were on the wall of, like, the new hot shit. And they had a wall where it was, like, the new hot shit that that you would go to. Yeah. It's just so. But if you Almost, think of Spotify on like a larger, huger level, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. But it was like everybody went to fucking Fat yeah. Beats, yo. So at the time, it was like if you made it to the wall on, on like Fat Beats of like new shit, it was kind of like. Yo, like you made it, because yeah. me as a DJ or like me as just a fan, just picking up the vinyl, like you know, we. Like, I think I found Socrates for the first time on there, so I didn't even know what the fuck it was. And what would happen happens? You'd pick the record up. There'd be like a DJ actually spinning, and you'd ask him like, "Yo, can you play this?" So you could hear some of it, right. and he would skip through the record at the record shop. Or he might say like, "Nah, I don't feel it. like." If he thought you were like a, a like a herb, yeah, there's tons there, of or add- clowns. <laughs> He'd be like, "Nah, I ain't playing that shit." Yeah
2: tons of attitude in these New York record stores yeah. like you they you were they were doing you a favor by selling you records yeah.
3: <laughs> and I, I feel like in Fat Beats if he was to buy like a Jay-Z or like a, a big name rapper they would look at you like you're like, like something's you, wrong with like, you.
2: like you're a
1: hype beast <laughs> why you buying, they, they would judge man. your purchase. <laughs> they would judge you right there <laughs> so it sounds like when Rock the Count was at uh, a at Turntable and you'd be like why are you buying this yeah, shit yeah yeah uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> same,
0: same exact shit but yeah. I mean like at that time like
1: yeah if you like
0: there would be this wall and like if you made that wall and i don't know i'm trying to remember if it was rock and soul or that there was like you know like the hot shit or the hot pick they would have like a cardboard like in front of Mm -hmm. like the shit they were like hot pick or whatever it was like that was the hot shit that so
1: in the the 90s the unsigned hype column uh stretching bobito and fat beats uh the, the wall was like the cool shit i'm not even sure if the source mag I'm I'm sure they knew about it,
0: but I don't. I would say the Fat Beats was way before even Source Mag, right? Kind of,
2: like unsigned hype. No, I mean like that seems uh, like
1: that was the the quote unquote the social media where you you can find the hot shit at. I don't think so.
3: I think the Source was out before Fat Beats. No, no,
0: no. I'm saying that the word on the on that on that wall for the independent records Mm -hmm. that would be out first before. It even mm. made it to oh, source. Oh, okay, yeah. Nah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, there'd be like a bunch of rappers you never heard of. Yeah, there. no, definitely. I, but man. but
1: that, what, what you guys explained, that seems to be like the where everything got kind of broken back then or where you're going to go oh, yeah. find the cool shit at. Yeah. That Besides was, like, the radio. The radio is the main, yeah.
2: mm-hmm. like Stretch and Bob. Stretch
0: and, and Bobito, And then there were certain mixtapes that you would listen to. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, but then it's routine. like, then you would go to mm-hmm. fat beats. So even motherfuckers, like. There were obviously there were people who was like still buying cassette tapes or CDs, but everyone had a record player. Like if he was cool, like even if you weren't a DJ, you had a record player. Kind yeah. Of. Like you mm-hmm. wanted, because you couldn't get Socrates or like some of these some of these dudes. You
3: know shit. what? You also you can't forget um, Barbito um record shop. What was it? Footwork. mm mm-hmm. Back in the days. I never even know about it that. It was
2: on the same block as the original exactly. Beach, right? Yeah. On 9th Street. Yep. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I didn't even know, know that. that.
0: What
3: happened with
2: that? Ellie worked in there. He did, really? Really? And Vaz, do you know Vaz? Yeah, yeah. Ellie and Vaz were the oh, two. Oh, shit, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> they sold sneakers, Exactly, records. yeah. Used wreckage. Clothes.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It lasted like two years. <laughs> so this is one by one, right? Uh-huh. Smart yeah. yeah. You produce this one? Yeah. I love this one, man. Thanks,
5: nice, man. <laughs>
0: So at the time, this was like the go-to, like instrumental for like freestyles and shit. So this that's was so on the one, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And it was like, cause the beginning, you just always wanted to bring it back to the beginning. Like, you, like this is one of those records you bought doubles of if you yeah. was a DJ. You know what I'm saying? Damn. Yeah, you would just bring this back and.
2: Yeah. That's the album version, so there's cuts on it. Damn. So um, and DMX
3: also did uh, um, a rap over this yeah, beat as I well, right? LL. Uh, yeah.
2: Havoc produced one for someone. Oh, yeah?
3: Yeah. But you was the first one to do yeah. production using that sample. Right. And what was the name of the sample again? Lynn Christopher. That's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the B-Boy document.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that beat is fucking legendary. Yo, man.
5: this shit used to get played in L.A. a lot. Yeah? Yeah. It not knowing that it was you.
1: Man. And
3: uh, most deaf and math skills. Yeah.
1: Yo, mad skills to me probably probably one of the best lyrics of all time. Sway
5: and King Tech used to play that a lot on yeah. their show. Like they would use that instrumental for like talk breaks, interviews. You movie. guys
0: did you guys did math skills lick the balls, right? Uh-huh. Shit, that was that was big. I don't
1: know if you guys remember that joint. Nah. Nah. I know. Uh-huh. Slick like right, Yeah. Damn. Math skills, nigga. I'm gonna crush your MC. So if you guys don't know who mass kill is go he has a wrap ups and he has a bunch of other shit he wrote a he's one of the greatest ghost riders
2: if not he goes by just skills now right yeah he he has those year-end raps yeah no he He, didn't
4: do one this year he
1: didn't do it last year there's like two years in the past three years that he hasn't done it Mm. he said he's been too busy and then i think um ghost rider No, C Murder try to do the wrap up, and then they kind of had like a beef going on. But Matt Matt
0: Skills is like notorious Ghost Rider, right? Yeah, Yeah. but he's so good. Like you think he's still Ghost Riding?
1: Of course. Well, he's DJ now. Well, he he? MCs for Jeff, right?
2: Isn't he? I don't know if he's still. No, he was doing that,
1: but I think he's DJing right now. He's he's DJ now. He was just at the Serato headquarters. I saw the uh, the he did a video, Mm -hmm. but no, he and he's pretty good. He's been practicing nonstop. I think, you know, I mean, running with Jeff is kind of a good yeah. <laughs> tutorial, yeah. you know? But <laughs> so, no. I mean, take me down, take, take us down this road. Like,
0: so B-Boy Document came out first. How'd you get Mad Skills in most depth?
2: Well, it was originally B Boy Document '99, but without Mad Skills, it was Most Def and LP and Mike Zoot. You remember him? Yeah. <laughs> when you say
5: LP, you mean Large Professor? No, no, uh, LP from um, uh, Company, Company Flow Flo, okay, and now so yeah, Run the Jewels. I had no idea.
3: Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, LP is like it's <laughs> you know e, it's E L hyphen P. Okay. I have yeah. an embarrassing
3: story. <laughs> you ever remember that time I ran into you and I was like, "Yo, man, I lo- congratulations on your new record." Not that you was LP. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so did he yeah, at yeah. the uh, raucous party and and like, I was yeah. I'm, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not I was so embarrassed, I was like, oh yeah, sorry <laughs> Elfie was kind of big though, no. though Milo
3: used to be big yeah. Oh Mackie really? Bass. We both had red yeah, goatees Exactly, yeah man oh, yeah. Well here's a funny
1: thing uh, uh, Mighty Mike came in and he told Darren Yo, you have that new birthday song out, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Kid Conrad It's yeah. not <laughs> It's not Darren's record Shout out to the homie <laughs> <laughs>
0: all white people look alike all yeah. black oh, yeah, people look alike yeah, all yeah. asians look alike <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny that should just happen too
0: that's crazy because
5: darren don't even have dreads i know <laughs> yeah. King, King Kong King Kong has has some dreads. long dreads some long got ass a ball dreads. head with a beard like nothing
1: <laughs> tory lanes <laughs> yeah. is way closer than this whole, but, yeah, sure. but no nah, that's crazy so again so let's talk about the mad skills well like you were in that whole
2: circle so most death was probably just around like yeah, you just kind of knew people from the scene, like my man Reef, who produced. Um, um, Cause you're so nonchalant about it. <laughs>
1: yeah, you acting like you just tied your shoes you know this I morning,
2: mean? and this
0: is like, kind of a this is like a big error for me because it was when like
2: you know what I mean. Like it was Vegas it, will beat your confidence down, man. Nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll talk about that, <laughs> but <I'm> no. <saying. laughs> um, nah, but I mean, it it really like yeah i mean it's you're really like chill about it but i think it's like it was a big thing back then for me even like you know what i'm saying and right. uh, and oh. i mean how was that i mean and being in that circle you're like well you know we're in the scene i'm hanging out with most stuff i'm i'm like what you're hanging <laughs> out with most stuff how does that happen you know like how do you meet like how does that like come into the studio i mean there was i don't know is it text messaging like how no. does that happen you know what way? i'm saying or was it Techno- the two-way
2: one? You know, um, I guess you would just, like, call
3: people, right? <laughs> no, you had beepers. You did? The beepers should back then.
1: What yeah. what year is this, 2000?
2: No. no. It's oh. Late it's like 90s. 90s? 90s. Yeah, 97.
1: Bit, 90, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so I was mean, it like, two way out yet or no? So were you,
2: like, oh.
0: DJing and most staff would be around? And you'd yeah. be like, yo, man, we're going to come to the, you know, we got a perfect beef for you. You got to hear this shit or something like that.
2: I, don't, I forget how it happened with most. I was friends with LP, and you would just know people who would, like, you know, my man Reef he was working A and R with stretch at Big Beat, you know, so that's how I met Mad Skills, you know, and Artifacts and Tame One. It was just kinda like people knew people. Um, and then obviously like when you would offer someone money for a verse, that would go a long way. Even though it was only five hundred dollars, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that was attractive it's motivation, to most of them. right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So um, you so you hit with like five hundred dollars to be on the record? Yeah. Damn and there, <laughs> that was the cheapest verse I mean, uh, Maybe we'll cut that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be great. I mean, and then so LP, he was a homie, so he just went on the record.
2: Yeah. And then that was the first version of the record. Right. And it was over a busy, uh, I was kind of Jack the beat, Mantronics, King of the Beats, and then mm-hmm. scratched in Busy B Suicide. So the first version was just kind of like a jacking for beats version. Then we took Most Def's verse. Put it on the the one you just played and then Mad Skills did a verse and Eon did a verse. How did you hook up with Mad Skills? Um, I think that was through my man reef reef. Yeah,
0: and how did you know like oh, let's just What, what was going on in your head be like let's continue this Let's take most Def and put it on this beat like what was the thinking behind that? I think um
2: Just making that whole first album home field advantage was like a passion so a lot of it was done even before we got the deal on raucous they almost heard a completed album. Okay, that's how it happened. Paul Rosenberg brought the completed album to Ruckus. They were like, we want it. Tommy Boy was like, we want it too. So we were gonna sign with Tommy Boy. Then the very night before we were gonna sign with Tommy Boy, jared from raucous came and said you know what we'll give you a whole label deal for eastern conference mm. so it'll mean the high and mighty okay. album the smart peddlers album and then a third album oh, i there.
0: like how this just came to him now <laughs> 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 he was like
2: he was like yeah that's how it happened <laughs> no like but a- that's how b-boy document the the newer version happened they needed a song for a sound bombing. so like mm-hmm. this is this is oh okay and they wanted right. to just so, let's get it on another beat and we'll put mad skills on right it. And use the most deaf verse, and we'll call it B-Boy Document, you know, 99 uh, instead mm-hmm. of the original one. And it was a last minute for sound bombing. That's how it happened. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Shit.
3: That's crazy. So on your first album, you had like Eminem, right? Um, Fowl Munch. Cool Keith.
1: Damn, man. Well, what a lineup what that is. is? <laughs> shit. You don't want to buy an yeah. album after that. Oh, shit. Right. How was, uh, were you in the studio working with Eminem when he laid down the verse on that? I'm yep. assuming, right? Yeah, yeah, he
2: came over the crib, actually. And it mm-hmm. was when he was just, like, the wickedest he was when, you know, that whole era when it was just, like, line after line was hilarious or whatever. So he would mess up and he he would keep going. So on the original ADAT tape, I have all these versions of him just freestyling for, like, 32 more bars. And it's, like, incredible shit. shit you Do you still know? have those like, tapes? Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> uh, was ADAT, that, that's crazy.
1: What, was that before Dr. Dre and all that shit?
2: Nope, it was... Uh, he had already recorded the first album, because he played it for us at my crib that day. So the, uh, Slim Shady. But no be. one knew him yet. The first single wasn't out yet, so he was still unknown. But the Damn, album that's was crazy. That. So he Damn. knew he was probably about to blow up, you know? So this is when he signed to Dre and everything? Yeah. So what did you think when you first heard it? His album? Yeah. I liked it. I mean, my, first, my favorite by him is that first independent EP. Infinite? W- right. Yeah. No, no, not the religious album remember this like six song ep with um i don't give a fuck and yeah. just the two of us it was oh okay yeah i don't know if you even never heard it uh yeah. it was it
0: was on i heard just the two of us just a song that he did yeah, yeah. but it was part of this ep it was it was vinyl wasn't it on yeah. vinyl too yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it, it just basically had i just don't give a fuck in its
2: original one. version which was incredible yeah
0: and then that's before that's when he got signed right uh-huh. pretty much uh what do you call it it was and i guess from what Shecky's story was is that
2: the good uh bad meets evil mm-hmm. that probably was in between somewhere yeah we he, they recorded that the day before they recorded the song on our album ah so he went mm. there and he did the two songs with royce and the next day he did our song oh, i mean so. how was
0: it it's so crazy how was it being around all these like just in this scene like
2: how was that it was cool it was like you could tell kind of like who was gonna blow, you know. Like it was kind of evident that Eminem. I want to ask you that. Did you know he was gonna blow up? I mean, once the Dre thing happened, I did. But like, even before that, like you could tell that he was there was something special about. He already him. had
1: the blonde hair going and shit. Mm.
2: It was right around the time of the blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's crazy. He uh, <laughs>
2: just gonna. Uh,
0: what do you call it? Now you you worked with Cage, right? Uh huh. And to me, I first heard Cage, Agent Orange. And then, and then I heard Eminem. So me and Ever were talking, and we kind of spoke briefly before we started recording. Was, do you do you think like, I've well, there's a couple of questions. Do you think that, you know, Cage coming out, like affected Eminem in some way? Like, and then how does Cage feel about Eminem? Um.
2: I think Cage's initial thing with Eminem was people were coming to him after hearing Eminem's new song, going, yo, I heard your new song. It's dope. And Cage was like, what do you mean? And he's like, that's not me. So it was initially outside influencers coming to Cage and going like, this guy is biting your whole style. I don't think Cage heard Eminem and personally was like, damn, that dude is like ripping my shit off.
0: Because if you, they had different flows. Uh-huh. They had different voices. You know, uh, I feel like Cage was a more New York in-your-face, you know what I mean? Yeah. And But, it, I mean, I guess there are some similarities in there, you know, when you hear it a little bit. But, uh, so he he didn't really feel some type of way, but everyone was just kind of around him. Yeah. With the negative
2: kind of... And then he went with it, you know, and had little disses yeah. here and there. But it was more of like a... Um did he come out with diss songs? I didn't even know. Just lines here and there. Ah. It's just yeah.
1: crazy. Did they ever get addressed or no?
2: I remember we did a Smut Peddler show in Detroit, and the um, guy who owned the venue was like, I got to tell you, before you go on stage, like I wouldn't do anti-M&M stuff. <laughs> And we were like, really? It's like that? He was like, yeah. Like It was at St. Andrew's Hall, which is kind of like where Eminem got his start. You know, it was weird to have Eminem and Cage on our album. <laughs> um, Did you know how Eminem felt? He didn't really, never like spoke
0: about it, nothing?
2: Neither of them ever really like came to us and were like, that's fucked up. You have both of us on the album. You know, it was just like, I don't know. We were trying to make a hot album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so like. Like I said, like I was kind of executive producer and producer, so like I didn't have to produce the whole album. You know, Alchemist has three joints on our first album, and some some people do other scratching on the album. So I was more like, I want to make the hottest record as possible and kind of like put my ego to right, the right. side sometimes.
1: That's crazy. That's, a, that's he makes it sound like he just walked to the fucking park. Like you have Alchemist, Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like you're like yeah, we went to the Starbucks and got a cup of Joe. The <laughs> fuck. <laughs> 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 Maybe yeah. not because he probably got him so early on. It was different. It was not. It was like your buddies and shit. But to me, you know, fuck. I'm hearing this shit. I'm like, fuck.
2: It wasn't coffee. It was weed. So oh. <laughs> I, just, I forgot everything. It was a coffee yeah. shop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: That's oh,
1: crazy. You know, also,
3: didn't you guys have beef with um, Master Ace? Mm-hmm. And what was that about?
2: It was heartbreaking because, you know, obviously Master Ace was a huge influence of anybody growing up in the golden era. Exactly, yeah. Damn. So he used to run with this MC in New York, this local guy. I forget his name, and he went to one of our shows, and was watching us perform. And Cage has this line called uh, says um, something about um, what was Master Ace's album called about the um, slaughter, slaughter slaughterhouse. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It was kind of a line that was paying homage to Master Ace, but the MC in the crowd kind of misread it. Um, and went back to master ace and was like yo ace these high and mighty kids are dissing you A, it wasn't even (laughs) eon so i knew ace we used to he's a huge philadelphia eagles fan like me and Shecky. and we used to go to this one sports bar in tribeca every sunday with ace and watch the eagles game Mm -hmm. so when i heard the record i was like oh my god i can't even believe this shit." So I called Ace, and I was like, yo, man, like, I just heard that record you made about us. Like, I don't understand. Like, me and you are cool. We watched, like, two seasons of Eagles games together. He's like, that's you? And I was like, yeah, like, that's my group. He's like, I had no idea. I've never even heard the record. So my first thought was, like, this hip-hop legend just made this diss record about us and hasn't even ever heard us. That's kind (laughs) of like a a hip-hop no-no, you know? Yeah. So... To his credit, though, he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I had no idea that was you. And went on Future Flavors that night on BLS, you know, that Molly, um, Pete Rock yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And, like, apologized oh, on yeah. the air. So that was cool to him. Mm-hmm. But it hurt because that A song is hot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even What song was that? Something recent, like uh, Disposable Arts. I Disposable Art On that album. I don't remember that
0: shit. Yeah. This
3: was, like,
2: this 2000
3: two thousand. I want to say two thousand one. Yeah, could be two. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy that someone could just go in the
0: studio and make a song and release it and not really. Just because somebody told him, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> he had
2: beef with the, the. So the song has two verses. One is about another group, and then the second verse is about us. And he was like, "Yo, I just needed like a second verse." <laughs> <laughs> that was just the filling, <laughs> the throwaway verse. But he said, uh, "You call yourselves the High and Mighty." To me, you sound like two high whiteys. <laughs> which has also messed up because i don't even rhyme there's only one MC in the group
3: Damn.
2: hey so um
0: going back to the club so this was all going going on you uh like around what was the year like around 99 2000 mm-hmm. you were still djing while this was all going on kind of like uh releasing b-boy document the album
2: Smut peddlers no, I had taken a break from the clubs. Like, I was about I was to say like, that. I felt like you wasn't DJing yeah. around that time. I was time. like, I cannot play this Diddy record another time. I think about it yeah. like nowadays. Like I yeah, feel yeah. like the
3: last time, I mean, before you stopped DJing, the last place you was DJing at was, um, was it the Cat Club? K-Cat Club? Was oh, that it was called song? Expo then, remember? Expo, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. It was yeah. me
2: and Riz in the Sky booth. Exactly. And then they would have house on the yeah. The
3: main. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that was, might have been the last time I saw you spend, during that time period.
2: so i got burnt out and i was you know doing the group and then um
3: you're like i'm gonna
2: focus on the group the album and like touring yeah how long was your break my break was about five years Wow. and then i reconnected with am you know am and i hadn't been in contact for about 10 or 15 years so i missed his whole drug period you know like
4: when he, when he moved
2: to L.A.? Right. I reconnected him through Alchemist. He was living with Alchemist's brother, Neil.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It was his roommate. So I would go out there throughout, and I would go to their house, and they were clowning A.M. Like, he was, like, the just-off-of-crack guy, you know? Don't leave mm-hmm. your wallet around, Milo. A.M. will take it. Like, they were treating him like that.
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Fuck. But at the same
2: time, I was watching him scratch in the living room, and I was like, damn, like, mm-hmm. he got nice, you know? Uh-huh. And then I remember going to see him spin in L.A. around that time a little bit later. And me and Mark Ronson were on the uh, dance floor. And we, like, saw each other in the middle of the dance floor. We just said, damn, this dude is good. <laughs> like, we were in total awe of his skills, you know. He was still big then. You know, it was before um, all the celebrity stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think that was the initial question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I was asking, like, uh, so that break, was it around 2000 right. to 2005, maybe? Right. So, oh, then okay. I, so
2: then I saw, so then Serato came out, and, mm-hmm. and, and AM, and I said, wow, like, I could get back into this. There's no more carrying records. like. So then I started to spin kind of some of Noel Ashman's parties. Remember NA mm-hmm. and yeah. the, the old Nels? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, in in uh, so you were still in New York. Right okay the high and mighty was kind of coming to an end you know the whole Napster thing kind of was the death of our whole selling records Mm. Um, and then like I was kind of like this is what I was meant to do always like I was a club DJ since I was 20 so just Serato and AM got me back into it and then in 2007 I got the job out here and I said you know after years and years of making $200 a night like the thought of being able to like make four figures a night like was just mind blowing, you know. Right, right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Did you um, take the offer immediately, or did you think about it?
2: I came out and I tried out mm-hmm. when it, before Blush. Remember, it was called something else. Blush, yeah, Lure. Blush, and, uh, was it Lure or Lure? Like, Lure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It was uh, It was in the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And eighty eight was DJing. Oh, wow. oh yeah, DJ 88.
0: Yeah, so yeah. Um, Brady. wait. Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. So blush was Sean Christie used to work for Light Group, who opened Jet and Light, and right. then he went on to do his own thing at the Wind, mm-hmm. and he op- the first club he opened was Blush, right? And that's and then you tried out for Blush at that right. time. So was, he that known- through, was that through Sean Christie or jo- Justin Hoffman or who was... Well, Sean had known me a little
2: from Boston when I was DJing yeah. up there in college. But we kind of missed each other by a year or so. So Justin said, you know, you should try... You should think about Mighty Ma, you know. He, he would think about moving out here. So I came out and I and I, and I I tried out for him. And then he had me doing like three or four nights a week before it was blush. So I got a little taste of like that, that check, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's true, like... If you pay your dues as a DJ, like in New York, carrying crates upstairs for $200 a night, you know, like after all that time, like the thought of being able you to. He was making like, a little bit more than 200 Nah, at the end of the night, you know, Jason Strauss would put $200 in your hand. You'd be happy. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> yeah, at the end, it got up to 250 I oh, think. Oh, man. Maybe 300 at the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just being yeah. like, oh, man, I could make, you know, dough spinning. Like it was, it was an attractive thing. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I remember at that time Justin Hoffman was killing it at um uh Trist, yeah, yeah, and it was at the wind and then that property was not known for nightclubs, and then Trist kind of opened the doors and then when blush open opened it was like yeah it became like a good like a like a new party hotel, kind of like a more upscale party hotel but mm-hmm. every, it was like blush was popping on Tuesday yeah, and then Trist was popping on Thursday, right mm-hmm. that was the industry night. And I then remember weekends, walking yeah. up to
5: Blush and seeing Kobe Bryant and uh, with his wife and Dwayne Wade with his wife. They were like mm. all together. Yeah. And they were like battling, like who could buy the most bottles with this other guy that was like a high roller or something. Right. It that was, was crazy. Yeah. And then they had yeah.
2: these. Um. Remember they had like those kind of weird lamps hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember Kobe was competing with the other guy, and they would bring out the bottles with the sparklers and one of the things caught on fire on the ceiling. <laughs> oh shit. And luckily they got it put out like right away or else it would have <laughs> been like the biggest like death trap on the opening night. Damn. That's crazy.
1: When you got back into DJing after that five year hiatus, was it hard for you to pick up the scratches and stuff like that? And the music. And the music, how, like what was the struggles of you coming back?
2: It was kind of an exciting time in music. Um, It was kind of like when the Neptunes were popping and like Crooklyn Clan was just beginning and there were all these kind of exciting mashups. I was playing the the Crooked one where you talk on the beginning, the Jay-Z mashup. Oh, the 03 Bonnie and Clyde. yeah Yeah. Records like that, you know? So it was kind of like an an exciting time and then just the whole Serato thing was like a rebirth, you know? Like not having to do the whole physical thing of the DJing. Uh, So yeah, like that... And it took me a while, you know, I was doing kind of like um, B parties in New York, just getting my chops up again. And then um, by the time I got out here, I was pretty used to it again. Oh, yeah. So when
0: you came when you came to Vegas, uh, obviously you tried out and they were like, we love you, come over here. How was it like adjusting to Vegas? You know what I mean? At not only as a DJ, but like as the city itself, because it was kind of hard for me
2: coming yeah. from New York to adjust over here. Huge culture shock. Yeah. Um, You know, it's car culture versus sidewalk culture, you know. In New York, the sidewalks have such history. Like here, you know, there's not much of that. Um, And then I drank for the first year I lived out here and gambled. I would come out of blush drunk and gamble and, you know, do that whole shtick. And then I kind of realized about after a year I had to live a very... Non-traditional Vegas life to right. kind of survive out here, mm-hmm. so I was able to stop drinking. I mean, I, I was never an alcoholic. I just kind of thought I needed it to get through the night, you right. know. So I stopped that and go out to the suburbs every day to the gym and just kind of l- try to live a like could be in any city, you know. But yeah, initially it was really tough, and then I have times where I'm like, I hate this place, and then times where I'm like, this is really laid back and nice and mm-hmm love not having the rat race of New York and banging into people. And, you know, once you live with space, with space, it's hard to go back to not having space. You know? Yeah.
0: yeah. What was the most important thing that you think uh, to, like, uh, well, not compromise, but what what do you feel like you had to change in the style that you DJ when, If you did, com- like, in Vegas, compared to, like, in New York? Because I feel like one of the main things that I missed from New York when I was DJing was the buildup of a night Mm -hmm. kind of like when you open the doors, you start the night off, like really sexy, some like classics or R and B. And then as people came in, you started just going into high energy sets, not really playing all the bangers. And then maybe you won't even get to like the new music till like 2am. And then, you know, just keep it going till four. And by like 3am, 3am, four o'clock, you just kind of, Be like, yeah, I'm going to do my thing where I just want to play what I want to play. And I feel like in Vegas, it was like, nah, when the doors open, it's just like energy, 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 energy. And it was just like, it's almost to a point where sometimes when I go back to New York and I spin, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like really ramming the energy down everyone's throats. Uh And I'm not like vibing with (laughs) the people in New York. Like, it's just very like aggressive, like fucking Mm -hmm. dance. But in Vegas, it seems more appropriate. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just wondering if you thought, like, if you had that kind of transition when you were like coming out here. You
2: know what I'm saying? Totally. Uh, the, I'd say the main thing is the education, or the sorry, the how well the crowd knows the music. Yeah. You know, and the skill of the DJ. I mean, we all remember that era in New York. I remember I filled in for Mark Ronson once at the New Music Cafe, mm-hmm. and I train wrecked, and the whole crowd just looked at me, and I was like, I don't know, believe I was, that. You serious? Of course. <laughs> You know, now you train wreck, nobody knows. Like, it's just like. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Only DJs know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You also. The club promoter in New York was just as educated on the music as the DJ was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Bill Spector yeah. knew every classic I was playing. Shout out to
3: Bill Spector, you Mark know? Rose, Tony Montana.
2: <laughs> Nowadays, the club managers, you know, they have no clue about anything. So it's like this total different kind of atmosphere in the club, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that. and But I'd say Vegas has some advantages, you know. It was nice getting out of that New York scene where it's like, six foot two models with like five foot seven dudes just standing around and like right. giving you like the ice grill <laughs> the whole night, you know? In Vegas, people come to dance. Yeah, and there's yeah. something nice about that as the DJ, you know? Like people come with energy and you know, I like that kind of like, you know, there's nights in New York, you know, where you're just like, <laughs> is it me? Is it me? <laughs> yeah, <That's
4: funny.
0: laughs> uh, So like you did blush, and then you're currently, and then you, Sean Christie went on to open Surrender, and then you start.
2: Did did Blush close when Surrender opened? There was about an overlap, um, probably like a year and a, a half. a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. So you were doing both of those venues. Yeah, I was doing more Surrender and Encore Beach at the end.
0: Encore Beach Club opened, and Encore Beach is the outdoor, outdoors of uh, the pool area of Surrender. Right. And oh, now it's just right.
2: all called Encore Beach. There's okay.
0: No
5: more Surrender oh there's no more oh, surrender. They don't, they don't market it as surrender at all anymore right it's oh so the
0: inside of the club doesn't Is it, it's not open it's it
2: like, is when the weather's bad but usually it's just Encore Beach at night it's just a pool party at uh, night oh shit I thought the, Surrender oh, yeah. was still open <laughs> I know yeah. so I thought the whole they time they put a the
5: little dome over it during the winter right yeah Yeah.
0: so Encore yeah. Beach Club that uh, you're still out there so like you're obviously the one of the biggest hip hop heads that I could ever think of you know having your hands fully like Having a hand and making a mark in like 90s underground hip hop, you know what I mean? And then having a hand and uh, making a mark in like the New York club scene and then kind of adjusting to this new EDM. Obviously, you came in 2000, when? 2007, right? Yeah. And probably the EDM started hitting around 2009, 8, 9, 10. 10-ish. So you had like probably, yeah, like a good two years to like adjust and then all of a sudden EDM just kind of hit the wave. Right. And how was that? I mean, how was that change
1: for you? Was it overnight? Was it like a two-week span? Did you embrace it? Did you enjoy it? It actually
2: happened really quickly. Like, I remember um, Marquis had a Vici, I think. And they were having, like, a really good month, like, having big DJs. And I remember Jesse Waits and Sean went to Steve Wynn and was like, we need to compete with that. We need... The big money to sign DJs and Steve mm-hmm. Wynn approved it. And it was almost like near like really like overnight where the booking started happening every single night. Wow. I remember two thousand eight, two thousand nine, we would have Cascade like once every six months, mm-hmm. have Steve Aoki a couple of times a year. Yeah. But then it did seem like very quickly it just I mean went it was to,
0: it was pretty aggressive.
5: F- fuck, man. I wanna say it was
1: like to 2010, s- no.
5: A little later, right? Like 2011. I remember when Marquis was doing their Party Rock Mondays Mm -hmm. and they were killing it. And then maybe like a year after, um, XS was doing Mondays, but it wasn't a big name thing. And all of a sudden they got Diplo and everyone was like, oh shit, like Mm -hmm. they're going to compete. Like it's going to be a big deal for having Diplo. Well, you guys guys started being also really cutting edge because who's handling the bookings there
0: at the time?
2: I think all of us together. Because you guys were bringing in.
0: I could be wrong, but you guys were bringing in, like, uh, Skrillex for mm-hmm. the first time and, like, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, R.L. Grime, right? Uh, a lot of that new dubstep DJs. What what year was that, 2013? Might have been 11 or 12. I want to say 11 13. or 12. Because I remember there yeah. was a...
1: Dubstep was, like, 13. Because EBC 12, had, 12.
0: what was the big... Was it Wednesday? Encore Beach? Yeah. Uh, Thursday.
1: I thought it was Sunday.
5: Shit. <laughs> Well, at night, I think they had a Wednesday, Wednesday right? Was, yeah. 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 So swim, huge, right? Yeah. So nights were was right? Yeah, that was a big deal. I mean,
0: how was it, like, yeah, how was it adjusted? I mean, obviously, by 2012, you would have adjusted it by then. But, like how, dr- like, how drastic was that for you to be, like, holy shit, I got to know all of this EDM? Right. And were, you, and were you basically spinning with them, kind of opening for them and closing for them?
2: I was just opening for, for, for the first 10 years I lived here. Now I open and I close. <laughs> 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 had it easy, huh? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I'm so fortunate to have that run. <laughs> the 10-year run of just opening? <laughs> opening, opening, <laughs> <laughs> opening, No, I'm just joking. Um, but uh, yeah. I guess initially it was kind of exciting because it was new to me, you know, being yeah. this hip-hop head my whole life. And I, was, I remember I would do, like, the Roxy and um, the Tunnel. And I would walk through the house room like with my nose stuck up and it'd be like Armand van Helden. It would be like these legends wow. and I was just such a hip hop dude, like I couldn't appreciate it, you know. So now I mean, so then as it started to happen, I, I guess it was exciting and, you know, I felt a little bit like who who are you to tell me I can't play hip hop records, you know, so there was some of that going on, but It was exciting opening for guys like Calvin Harris. And like I said, like that hour, half hour before they go on, I would really just like do me and play like these crazy, just like underground records, you know?
0: What do you mean underground, like house or?
2: Yeah, like just, you know, stuff that was appropriate for before they go on, but like was still good. I could see if the crowd would roll with me. Uh-huh. Yeah. And
0: you you started producing a little bit, right? Yeah. How was that, like getting in here for that and changing it
2: up? Um... I guess I tried to do some records that I thought, you know, would be cool house records, but that's like not really where my heart was. But then about a couple of years ago, I started making this whole album with dudes who I grew up on, like all my heroes,
4: mm-hmm.
2: you know? So I have this whole album called OG house finished with Ghostface and Nori and large professor and schoolie D and search and like 20 joints. That's <laughs> crazy. So Damn. I've been putting them out, you know, as EPs, but Unfortunately, there's like no real home for golden era rappers rhyming over house beats. How was that getting in contact with him was that hard? Sometimes. How was the Nori one? The Nori one's called Drink Champ, right? Which is the name of his huge podcast. So I was like, damn, this shit's gonna take (laughs) off. Like I got lucky he called the song Drink Champ, but just a G house song with him rhyming over it, you know. Did he
3: like get in contact with some of the rappers through Facebook or
2: Yep. And the Did way he? I would reel them in is I would play them the songs I already had done. So, like, to get Grand Pooba, I'd say, listen to this song I made with Chubb Rock. And he would hear it and go, oh, I, I could do that, too, you know? Like, so, um, damn, just like a vanity project, but I don't know if I'll ever put out the whole album. Mm-hmm. But I got joints, like, with Sean Price and OC and it's crazy. Damn, Sean Price, yeah. really?
0: That's crazy. I mean, you should put it out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't we were talking to Cypher Sounds about like uh, how he has like the second album of Nina Sky and he's just holding on to it really? I'm like what are you holding on to yeah. just, like put it out huh. I think now's the time to just put it all out there mm-hmm. and just have it accessible yeah. especially and get it all get it all in the, the digital world and shit like that so I mean you, was, you you were making like EDM when you were making some of these house house joints and mixing it with the hip hop right? and then you know you're DJing. I mean, you're opening and you're you're kind of spinning with some of these dudes. And I remember speaking with you. Uh, I think I was speaking with you about like Skrillex and how like humble he was and shit. And I think he would even shout you out at the right. end of his sets and be like, "Yo, big shout to Mighty Mai," right? And stuff like that. And then he I was mean, the
2: only one. And it <laughs> in eight years playing with these guys he's the only one that were like before he went on he said like, come back on stage like give this guy a round of applause he deserves it damn that's
0: crazy and it, so how I mean how was it like with the egos over there like dealing with i mean because i remember we talked with shecky like uh briefly about some of the those house dudes and i mean it was just so much ego and uh ungratefulness for a lot of the things that were going on like how was it like working with that
2: it was i mean sometimes it'd be humorous like just being like who the hell are you you know and some you know it was another nights it would be totally infuriating you know like just seeing like these guys like you know because all of us like we've been djing for so long and to a real dj this whole scene of the new dj Is insulting. Like that's the initial thing. Then you take that in and you do what you do with it. You either say, I'm going to survive in this industry and I'm going to not tweet out hate or I'm going to be the guy, the hater, the old school guy, you know? So it's like our initial reaction is always like, who is this buster? Like not even mixing using the sync button. And you take in that initial rage and then you either say, okay, I'm going to be political or I'm not, you know, that seems like the climate we're in right now.
1: Yeah. Did you ever do like some shit where like they in infer- like they got you pissed off and then you just like shitted on their set and you had a way better set and people are telling you, hey, why'd you get off?
2: <laughs> well, that that kind of happens all the time, you know. Like someone <laughs> says, like I really enjoy what you were. I mean, because the the dichotomy of the two sets nowadays in the club is just like the craziest thing. Because I don't play any of the the EDM trap stuff, you know, the noisy yeah. records. I just play you know, mostly 100 BPM kind of mellower stuff, you know. So when they come on and it's this huge change of genre, it is almost like you're at two different parties in the same night. Yeah. So naturally someone who doesn't like all that noisy stuff is going to come up to me and be like, I like what you were playing, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And then I also like sarcastically sometimes go up to people in the crowd and go like, who who do you like more? Did you like me or did you... (laughs) Did, did you like it when the dj booth would kind
5: of be off in the corner and it was just about the music or did you like it more like when it's like you're the face of the of the face of the party
2: that's an amazing question right because for the first time the first five years at the win like justin hoffman was and me were like in this little like corner where you had to like look to see where the dj was this yeah. was in blush right blush and even Trist, you know it was like oh, where right. the the sound booth is now
0: yeah you guys were like literally in blush it was like it it almost felt like it was an extension of the bar. Yeah. It was at yeah. the corner of between the bar
2: and, like, the outdoors. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, really way off. And then yeah. do you remember when Surrender and Encore Beach opened? We had the DJ booth in that, like, like little right, by foyer the bar. thing. By the bar, right? Well, yeah, it was in the sound booth for, like, the yeah. first six months. But then we moved it to that little foyer that's kind of, like, when you go outside right now, it's right to the right. Yep. yep. Which was, like, this crazy, like, Steve Angel would be DJing in this little, like, weird thing. And now... Everyone just goes and stares at the DJ and doesn't talk right. to each other, which I, I sometimes I get on the mic and I just say like, please like, you know, talk <laughs> with each other like, <laughs>
4: <laughs> please yeah. like. You,
2: you say that on the mic? I say meet somebody, you know, like I don't understand yeah. how this is fun. Can you
1: imagine, <laughs> yo, just. Turn to the right and hug that person. No, I That's do. It. Sometimes I say, yeah,
2: talk amongst each other.
1: <laughs> well, how,
0: how was that? I mean, you def- did you enjoy it when the DJ was front and center?
2: Or did you like it when you were kind of off to the side? Um, it's kind of like when you don't know how to take a compliment or a criticism. You know what I mean? It's like yes it's like nice to be front and center but like as djs we're kind of like like shit like is my mouth open right now am i like you know right Mm -hmm. so when it's in the corner you're you're more about your performance because people aren't looking at when you know ever the whole world's staring at you in the club you're kind of conscious of like maybe like the way you look too whereas when you're in the corner you're just like i'm ripping the shit on the audio part of it right 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 not what you look like what you look like isn't even in the equation Mm -hmm
0: yeah it's i mean what do you guys think because i'll yeah. tell you i'll tell y'all like i i think the dj should be kind of off to the side and i think yeah i think it does fuck up the energy in a room Mm-hmm. yeah i love it when i loved it back in the day when you couldn't even see the dj mm-hmm. and then when people were just feeling the music Yeah, and even if you're on the mic or you're doing anything people don't necessarily need to look at the dj and what's going on yeah it was just like the lights, the the energy, and like maybe if there were dancers, there were some dancers in there. But there's nothing like a, a club, a dark ass club, with like really good lights, mm-hmm. and you don't really know where the DJ is. Mm-hmm. And when the DJ is just kind of like rocking the room out, mm-hmm. and I just love that. Yeah. And I don't understand, like even now at certain gigs, like they'll put a spotlight on me, and I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs>
1: My thing is, uh, I well, I started DJing after like two thousand nine. So, to I grew up on you know being the this front center shit.
0: I think the front center shit is the only thing good about it is I have a good view of the whole room. Yeah, yeah. but that, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. otherwise, I don't think the DJ needs to be seen. Mm-hmm. I don't think like pe- the crowd needs to see the DJ like waving his arms up
1: or doing any of that <laughs> shit. Would, would you still agree? Would you still be thinking like that if
0: that affected your rate?
1: What rate? Like,
0: I think people. I think DJs were getting paid before that even happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, no one was getting three hundred thousand a night, which is crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I mean, like, yo, like, honestly, if you're, I, I can't really speak for everybody, but while we're DJing, are we really? Is there really time to like put your hands up and like, <laughs> and sure. t- and re- and like kind of work with the crowd? Or are we just really queuing up the next song and we're like trying to bring it in, clever? Yeah, and we're trying to build the energy up, and then and now it's so distracting when I DJ. It's like stressful for me because the manager wants to talk to me, the owner wants to take, sh- like someone wants to take a shot, someone wants to shake my hand, uh, someone wants to tell me that this table wants this. I got to give a shout, a shout out. I got to yeah. make sure the crowds pop in, and I'm having like an anxiety attack, and I just maybe just started. I'd be like <laughs> the first three minutes, like. I don't even want to put these clubs on blast, but, like, I I would walk in, and I wouldn't even have my laptop out. And I'd get, like, a manager telling me what to do. There'd be, like, my bottle would come out, and there'd be, like, 10 guys in the DJ booth that I don't know drinking up the whole bottle. And then there's, like... (laughs) And it was just crazy. And I'm just like, yo, oh, Rhino's here, be make sure you give Rhino a shout. I'm like, of course I'll give Rhino. That's not even a problem. Then like, oh, say this for this person's birthday, the sparkles are coming out in two minutes. And I'm like, I haven't even set up.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then like, uh, you know, like, this i go
1: going <laughs> to 30 minutes from now, but you're going to you know, give a yeah, shout yeah. out two minutes. <laughs> so like,
0: I mean, it's just insane yeah. how, what it's become right now. And I mean, I'm sure like the, the production at, you know, Encore Beach Club must be, insane where you have to just juggle all of that shit yeah but uh i mean tell us some of these joints like i want to hear some shit you know about some of these djs like i mean Avicii just passed right i, I mean how was right. it working with him and shit
2: it was, i mean i i have a pretty crazy Avicii story i mean <laughs> it's i guess beneficial to me in the end so it's kind of i don't know i don't think it's bad but, I spot, you know, I opened for him maybe for three summers in a row. And they were they were great shows. You know, I got nothing but respect for him. I think he and Calvin are kind of like the cut above the rest of the guys. Um, you said him and Calvin. Right? Calvin, oh, yeah. yeah. So, it was apparent that he was getting sicker and sicker each summer, you know, just by his weight loss. You know, like, by the end, he was like totally looked like a skeleton. And so, I was spinning one Saturday, and it was you know time for him to come down out of his room and they were like oh he's they're trying to get him out of his room right now you know and it started to become a thing a little bit where it was like harder and harder for him to come out of his room to perform Mm -hmm. you know you you would think like for that amount of money like it would be easy just to come out of the yeah the suites Mm -hmm. so this one Saturday it looked like he wasn't gonna play like, and it, and it just kept on going and going and going. And it was like, you know, usually they go on at 3.30. It's now 4, 4.15. The crowd is chanting Avicii which is oh, always, man. like, a weird yeah, thing man. when you're playing. <laughs> are,
0: you, are you, like, freaking out when that happens or no?
2: A little bit. Well, you know, as a DJ, you know, who's been DJing Because you for, can't even play his music. Also, when you're DJing yeah. for 25 years, every minute more than you're supposed to spin is just, like, the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, you're like, 335! Yeah. I was supposed to go off at 330! Yeah. You know? Um, so they were like, he's not coming out? And he just didn't—he never showed up? And was
3: the was the crowd pissed off?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they refunded people, maybe, uh, okay. or you know, but um, it was crazy. Like just to think, like he only had to walk like two hundred feet, like and so you know, it yeah. must have been really bad.
3: And then they still booked him after that, right?
2: Oh yeah. Did he the- look like he enjoyed DJ? When he was actually DJing, he did, but. They would be, like, all these prerequisites and, you know, all these things like that you had to make sure the fans were on him. So he obviously was high-maintenance behind the scenes. Right. But, like, in front of the crowd, it was just nothing but joy. Was he
3: cool, though? I mean, like, what he said, I what's up to really you? I never really had a lot of communication with no? him. Yeah.
1: It was like, oh, you're going on? Okay, cool. Right. So
3: when he gets on, it's just, like, his people set him up, or would he set up himself? Yeah,
2: his people would set him up.
3: So you would, like be on the side, whatever, and then by the time you come in, you're gone, right?
2: Some guys are different. Some guys, like, I'm on the stage, like, right to the second where they go on. Mm -hmm. Some other guys, like, they might even have a pre-made – little mix that they yeah. put on while their guy is setting them up. So in those instances, I'm already off of the stage. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I try to stay close because on my Instagram story, I don't know if you see, I take a picture every time. I see that, your sneakers. My yeah. sneakers versus <laughs> and their sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to show the generational difference. I, I got to you know? check that shit out now. Yeah. So,
0: I, I mean, so like, uh, like, have there been like other horror stories? Like who's, I mean... I guess you you could say his name. We'll bleep it out, right? Oh, yeah, we could. Who's, like,
1: maybe one of the worst? Because we heard the stories about Afro Diva. Mm -hmm.
2: So if you want to go ahead and tell (laughs) them. One time I was opening for him. I was playing, like, a disco house joint, you know, just thinking this is totally, like, what he wouldn't play. And he's on the side of the stage going, disco house, (laughs) disco house. Wow. I was like, this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He really did that? (laughs) (laughs) Me and D were trying to remember them, but did a couple of shows, and their road manager was really, like, uppity and full of energy, and me and him got into some beef. Almost physical, actually. That was the most. Oh, and then oh, they shit, emailed the win. They were like, we don't want this guy ever playing with us again. And Shecky had to be like, listen, like, he's our resident, da 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 da, da. Damn,
1: You'll see them next week. <laughs> Yeah. What,
2: what was it, that That's he crazy. would just tell you what to do or I think something. he was being real rude to me and, like, put his hands on me or something, like, kind of, like, moved me out of the way or something. I was like... Oh, man. You know. Oh, yeah. Is this after you got buff for before?
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of my in-between times. <laughs> That's
0: and, crazy. and so, like, uh, shit. So how long you been out here? A little over 10 years? Yeah. 12. Yeah. It'll
2: be 11 in uh, September.
0: I just, thinking back, and I talked to Neva about this also, like, did you ever think you'd still be DJing now?
2: No, definitely not. Like, it's definitely, like, something where I do want to find the next thing in life, but it's almost like you fall in love with the lifestyle, you know, of, like, not having a lot of um, hours of the week, you know. Like, we complain as DJs, but in in reality, (laughs) we're, you know, working, like, 20 hours at the most, you know um
0: it's like a comedian lifestyle yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah a little bit we wake up like well not me but most djs wake <laughs> up at like noon or three o'clock you know they go out it's my yeah. life yeah that's <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's mic. i'll yeah. go to the gym i'll do this <laughs> yeah. i'll do that you know
2: but you you've executed it beautifully where like DJing is like your second thing you know like that's what i think any dj that's approaching you know kind of this midlife thing should be where it's like djing still happening but you have this other thing in your life that's now like your passion and you're equally as passionate about like that's what I want to get to
0: actually I'm really envious of like guys like you guys who just wake up at like noon or any time like that (laughs) I really
2: don't
0: it's actually like you can even ask as never like uh like at some of my past gigs I'll I'll wake up at 7 a.m. and I'll be at the office from 8 to 10 p.m. And then I'll literally have enough time
1: to just go home and shower and then head to the club. I mean, I have to and, tell him to leave
3: sometimes. Like, yeah. yo,
1: fam, you working tonight. And then, Why are you still here? There's, then, <laughs> there's days that, well, fucking two weeks ago when you did the three-day nonstop, like he literally slept here where we shoot. And, and he had a gig bang, yeah. by the third day. And it just, it's fucking crazy. Well, hmm. it's
0: just like I lose a sense of... It's like I don't know. It's like uh, it's like when you see your boy and he ha- and he has like two kids, and he looks like shit, <laughs> and he doesn't like iron his shirt, and he's just like, yo, what happened, man? Like you look like shit. Like you gotta <laughs> put some work in your appearance or yeah. something, right? Yeah. It's like I become that in a way. So I envy, I envy like moth Like I envy the times when I had like time to go to the gym, to like be like, oh, what am I gonna wear tonight? Or yo, like. Those sneakers are dope. I'm going to go get those sneakers. But, <laughs> like, everything is a chore to me. Like, those yeah. little things that are like, a chore. Like, getting dressed and trying to pick an outfit. I'm like, oh, just black black t-shirt and black jeans. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 You know yeah, yeah. what I mean? Let's take the yeah. uniform for us. <laughs> and it's like, uh, oh, I'm going to get a haircut today. It's just like, oh, fuck, I got to get a haircut. You know, like, all of these things, like, become a hassle because I'm juggling way right. too much, way more than I should, you know? So, but, I mean... That's I I'm, I am envious of that lifestyle. Like I see, yeah. like I was, I'll walk through. I'll probably like walk through the lobby of like our building. Uh, me and me and Milo, yeah. and he'll like finish racquetball. And <laughs> <laughs> the, what the heck, on? He'll be like finishing racquetball, and I'll be like I'll be coming in from like you know like from like 24 hours at the office, and i will be, like,
1: hey, what's up? And he's like, hey, how you doing? You should really come down one. <laughs> I just can a picture my with the high uh two socks and like, the shorts. Him and or Shecky, headband. him and
0: Shecky, uh Shecky would live in my building too, at, at some at, so I think point. he still lives there, yeah, he still lives there. But at at one point these guys would be like, Yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna get a Schwitz, we're gonna go to the steam room. they be like, You should come, you should come and I just be like, Fuck, man, I really wanna go. I gotta go to the <laughs> office And it's uh I think maybe those are the times when they just seem like, Oh man, he doesn't like Crooked doesn't wanna hang out and it's just it's just like I just really did not have time to like. I couldn't even have a schvitz or like. I couldn't even do. I would love to be in racquetball. Like just watch. <laughs> it. I, would lo- I would love you're to. You're not w- even athletic. I know. I know. I would love to. I would love to watch that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, my but I mean, yeah. Today. I think it was just like at that time I was just so. I mean, even now I was just so busy and it was just like. And I, you know, it's just like trying to keep everything going. And yeah. after a certain point, you're like, I don't know what the fuck i'm even working so hard for it you know (laughs) i
1: mean we had that text message conversation I'm like do you even enjoy life at times because he doesn't really have time off everything's always going well like i was getting i was actually getting to that
0: would be i would work all day Mm. and then i'd be at the club djing and then i'd over drink or i'd be so exhausted that i would like my reaction to the liquor would be totally different Mm. It would almost be like you know like you ever see those videos or like the old like the like those those videos of like the japanese like businessmen who would overdrink, and they would just go crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> it would <laughs> be kind of like that where i'd be like to the point where i'm just like i'm just like i don't know if i'm like blowing off steam yeah. and it's just like because i've just been so cooped up yeah and i'm just like you know kind of like having too much fun like or doing something like (laughs) pulling people on stage like yo let's let's wild out you know kind of shit yeah Yeah. but uh i mean yeah i mean going back to
1: to milo i forgot what the fuck we were talking Uh, about the lifestyle oh yeah i fell in love with the lifestyle are you still in love with dj milo like do you still like oh i can't fucking wait to play this record no. Was it more so on like okay?
0: we Well, I mean, work. it's. It, are you still doing EDM more, or are you doing no. more hip hop?
2: I'd say I'm doing probably seventy percent hip hop, thirty percent house.
0: Are you happy about that, or is it more miserable knowing that you have to play the hip hop that's out right now?
2: See, I don't play that. Like as the opener, like I don't have to worry about playing like the biggest records of the night, like the Cardi B's, because I know I'm supposed to save those for the headliner. Right. So. I don't have to like play like the hugest records that I might not like. Some of them but I say there's nights that I still really like, you know, there'll be nights where the party's going crazy and it feels great to be on stage. There's no feeling like being on stage. And then there's nights where I'm just like I'm twice the people, twice the age of the people I'm DJing to like So um what are you playing? Like
3: old school hip hop?
2: No. I'm playing like
1: 2013, 2014
2: hits? I'm playing a lot of like, you know, 100 b per minute kind of, I call it like tender twerk, like, you know, like these <laughs> oh, kind of <yeah. laughs> t- <laughs> R&B type, you like know. borderline,
0: moon baton kind yeah. of joints, yeah, yeah. yeah and Like there would be like the Nori Nothing remixes mm-hmm. and stuff oh, like that. And yeah. then all my
2: house is hip hop yeah. mixed yeah. into it. It's all like, you know, breaks down into the Cardi B verse and then goes back up into okay. like a cool kind of 128 breakdown, so... Mm-hmm. Um, how do you a, feel About the new hip hop Nowadays I'm not really into The whole mumble, mumble Rap, rap. Um, I like joints Here and there You know I love Kendrick And like Drake And like ASAP Ferg So there's still like MCs that I really like You yeah. know But I'd say I like you know Like maybe 15 20 records a year
5: Yeah
1: That's kind of average a, i say It's not too bad Yeah it's not too bad so I feel I,
0: like that's how It was back in the day mm. Yeah Every year yeah. We'd all Right You'd be now, playing pl- the hits of fifteen or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I th- that's not bad at all. It's like well, a hit a month
3: mm-hmm. in yeah, the yeah. summer
1: too, or some shit. <laughs> so I have another question:
3: If you were still living in New York, would you still be DJing? I don't think so.
2: Probably yeah. like you know, like the operator M's type parties. You know, like yeah. the Mobile Mondays, like mm-hmm. things like that here and there, where it's just fun to play out, but. I would definitely not be doing it as much as I am here.
3: To
5: piggyback know. off of Neva's question, um, when you were in New York, did you ever have aspirations of doing radio as a DJ? Because I know we always talk about it. There was like two different lanes. Like a lot of the club DJs wouldn't do radio or weren't respected in that world, and vice versa. Yeah. So did you kind of know that you always just wanted to like rock clubs? You never thought about radio.
2: I liked radio. I did radio in college. I was on um Harvard show. You know, even though I went to BU, and then I would guest. Um, mix on Stretch's show um, on High 97 in KCR. So those were fun. Um, you know, radio is like its own beast. You know, like I, I feel like I was kind of meant to do like an old school radio show. So there's been four or five Golden Era shows that Shecky and I did on Shade 45 I know, yeah, I remember those. It yeah. yeah. was dope. Those were really fun to do. And I'm kind of like trying to get one of those on LL's new station. You know, yeah, like yeah. that's how I I Rock feel. the bells. Yeah, I feel like that's like what i'd be best at but it's really hard to get a radio show <laughs> <laughs>
1: would you party a lot in harvard or no Um
2: uh, not much um because shecky went to harvard but he's like five years older than me so he was already gone okay i meant to ask you this earlier how did you hook up with shecky well we we grew up together in philly so our our life like totally went the same path like grew up in philly college in boston oh, moved to new york mm-hmm. vegas oh. Except the new part where he's living in China. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, I had a question earlier that I forgot to ask. Um, Your style of DJing, is it New York-based, or is it like DJ AM West
2: Coast-based now? I'd say New York-based. So um, you're slamming records? Yeah, the speed mixing. and Okay. Not a lot of scratching, more kind of just blends. blends. I mean, people...
0: I mean, during that era, like, because that era,
2: that, no, no, a lot of people
0: were scratching. Like, you, you didn't, you didn't, it was, like, a lot of clubs, you, actually, you guys tell me, like, I, when I was growing up listening to you guys, like,
2: Mark Ronson's and Stretch, there was no scratching at all. Right, no. Stretch kind of made it cool to not scratch, actually. Like, it was, like, He was um, so butter with his mix, like, right. it, one song would just, flow into the other song and the fader stayed in the middle and the, the volumes and all yeah. volumes you know even right. after the knobs and when he was on a fader, it would just be the, the volumes up and down but still staying active you know and still rocking the crowd and doing hard things but right. just not scratching so it was like that era where it's like if you can't do it where it's almost sounding like it's this third turntable well then don't do it at all you know so I kind of spent my first 10 years as a dj trying to scratch as well as i could but then reached a point where i knew i wasn't going to be like am and i knew i wasn't going to be one of these elite elite scratchers so i just said let me try to be smooth and let me let me do blends and Mm -hmm. you know try to rock it that way
1: because you you said that am kind of brought you back in so i I was wondering Mm -hmm. if you you did the intro kind of style like him or you just went back to your
2: roots yeah just back to my roots i mean i think like at a certain point any DJ kind of becomes comfortable in what they can do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's some DJs that still try to push it, you know, I'm gonna learn how to scratch as best as I can, even though I'm, you know, in my forties and stuff. But I think a working DJ usually finds what they do best and kind of goes with that, you know. So like that's kind of the school I came from where like, um, I said, let me, like, my music taste and my flow is what seems to be maybe what's working for me best. So let me try to get better at that and try to get, you know, play the right mashup or the right remix or, you know, do things that I could try to, like, rock the party better and doing what I knew what to do.
3: Yeah. yeah. You don't. Know, I wanna go back to um, your DJing in New York. Uh-huh. You've done a lot of legendary clubs, like you spun at the Tunnel, Palladium. Um, was the Expo, like a lot of spots. Do you have a favorite spot that you DJ'd at? Favorite spot and a favorite story?
2: Yeah. I think Life was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed to be like the last kind of great New York pre-bottle service. Mixed Crowd, Stevie Wonder in there, Mariah you know, like, the, the right celebrities. The
0: club I could never get
2: into.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nine
1: <laughs> up. Stevie Wonder, Mariah Carey. Like, you don't want your ass in there. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's funny.
3: I've, I've gone to life a few times, but there was, like, certain rooms I couldn't get into.
1: Mm. Was it hard to get into life or the tunnel? Um, life. I guess tunnel life. was like a club. You just have, have to have wait money. in
2: line. Yeah. Oh, okay. This huge, like, warehouse spot, whereas life was, like, this kind of... Upscale, yeah. Like uh, it was in the village. There was three rooms. I mean, it wasn't tiny, but it was like the VIP room where everyone wanted to be. Yeah, like that's would, the room I couldn't get into. Remember, you'd walk down the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> you'd walk down the stairs, and the DJ booth is right underneath yeah. the stairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I did Tuesdays for um, Noah Tepperberg and Jason Strauss, who owned Tao. You know, and um, Bronson would do Fridays, and I think he did two days a week. But that was, like, the last really yeah. good, uh, you know. Then bottle service changed everything in New York, Definitely, you know? Definitely,
0: yeah. At what? that time, they, w- they wasn't pushing bottles at that time?
2: No, you couldn't even buy a bottle. They'd laugh at you if you said, I want the whole bottle.
0: <laughs> oh, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: that was the first crazy.
0: bottle service club in New
2: York? I guess when, like, when, like the meat pack industry kind of became big, right? Uh-huh. You know what? I
3: want to say um, spa? Nah, not spa. The, what about the, the old old v-bar sweet 16 what was it that? that's the name oh, of it oh yeah, yeah yeah sweet 16 that was owned by jason and noah that was the first bottle oh, service? on 16th and 8th i think so i want to say that was the first bottle service mm. in new york yeah i could be wrong but it was and definitely then, up there
2: and then i did those ones on the west side um a little bit later remember bed yeah and yeah, yeah. And You took the elevator. Elevator. yeah yeah, yeah. Yep.
5: So if a guy wanted to flex, he was just buying out the bar. There was no like, let me get a bottle. Right. Like let me impress a chick by buying out the bar.
2: And drinks weren't even that expensive. Like a vodka and coke, it was like seven dollars yeah. or something. Wow. <laughs> <Now> it's twenty one. <laughs> yeah. And
1: a
0: tip. <laughs> yeah, I want. I'm actually curious to know what was one of the first. What was the first nightclub that, or the nice, the first club in New York? Because New York really pushed that bottle service scene. Mm-hmm. So from from Europe, right? You know what? Could have
3: been Vivuca
2: Mm. What was the one that was on um, 13th and 4th Avenue? Is that Spa? Yeah Spa, yeah Mm -hmm. That was was I don't know if they had bottle service But that was one of the.
0: Was it Serafina Like Wednesdays at Serafina That was much after Pangea I don't think they was
3: doing bottle service
0: Yeah Was it? That was all bottle service Mm -hmm. I remember walking in Like it was all bottle service Pangea and Serafina What year was this? 90 no, No, No 2002 2002
2: and that Could've changed been, yeah. the whole scope of New York because now instead of letting the cool people in, you were letting in the Wall Street people and exactly. the people with money, you yeah. know? Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, because that was Uniki Kiki and they were doing yeah. like, all of those uh, like house parties mm-hmm. and they had like drummers there mm-hmm. and then they had all the models there. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, it was just bottle service. And they didn't even, yeah. But I don't know. I don't, know. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought
2: you I know about that. When do you think it happened? Like 2001?
3: It was definitely one or two. 2001 or 2002. Like before I moved to Vegas and I moved to Vegas in 2003. Well, I mean, didn't... I mean, Light Group, they
0: opened Light in what year? 2002. 2002. That was the first bottle service club. In Vegas. In Vegas. In Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so then New York had to be way before that. 99. No? 2000? Nah,
3: it wasn't that far behind, man. I would say two thousand, two thousand one. It was that soon? They were like, yo, let's bring this after a year, they're like, let's bring this to Vegas? Yeah. Sure. Wow. But they, they was doing it in the Hamptons. Mm. So they how long were they selling bottles in the Hamptons for? Since I when I first started DJing out there, that what was, was like in ninety eight. 99 some shit like that. These numbers ain't making sense. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> knows, let us know. <laughs>
1: shit. Something like yeah. that, yeah.
3: They was doing bottle service in the clubs in the Hamptons, like the um, Jet East. So they had to have been selling bottles at life, no?
2: I don't think so. I could be wrong, though. I've never known about the liquor side of the industry.
1: This sounds like when fucking scientists are trying to find out how far the dinosaurs <laughs> yeah. live. You're like, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds Well, great. one
3: thing I definitely know is light in Vegas was the first club to have bottle service. Yeah. Yeah, 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 You've done uh, music for TV and film, right? Yeah.
2: Like, which movies and shows? Um I was doing a lot of stuff for ESPN when I still lived in New York, kind of like just doing beats for them, like when they would show highlights and some of their shows. Mm -hmm. And then I um, scored a movie about 10 years ago called The Heist, kind of like an underground movie. Um, Wait, who was in that? um, I remember that movie. Who's the Scientologist kid, you know, with the curly hair? He was on um, shows in the 90s. Oh... Same time, um, you know he knew Am too. He's, I want to say he played Screech. Oh, oh. yeah, I was gonna say Screech? Dustin Diamond? No, something Dustin.
1: Maybe not from Screech. Save the Bell. Yeah, S- Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I think his name is Dustin Diamond. Is it?
5: I could be wrong. I'll check. I don't think he's a Scientologist. Wait, wait, wait mm. is it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: is it Heist? Is it Heist or the Heist?
2: It's not with De Niro, is it? No. Oh
0: okay. What was it
2: called? I think it's called The Heist. Oh, last year. Okay. No, no. This is like 2007-ish. Oh, 2007. Yeah. What's his name? You know, with the curly hair? Yeah, I, th- I think it's... Uh, hold on, let me check. Doo,
1: doo, 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 doo. He
2: produced it. And it had Leon in it. Remember Leon from yeah, um, yeah. the Madonna video?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotta, his name I gotta find is... Out Dustin Diamond, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, he he. I, did he do? I'm pulling it up. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it is him, Dustin Diamond. It is. It's screech.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How you forget this no. screech? <laughs>
5: it wasn't that. Joe Milo one. smokes a lot of weed,
3: <laughs> yo. <yeah. laughs>
5: Well I saw you um He's probably He's probably big right now nah. <laughs> You had some uh you, some songs on uh, I think it was uh Brown Sugar. Uh-huh. Um The other movie with uh we were talking about it with L O Cool J yeah. and uh Omar Epps. Um Oh wait, 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 wait no. Let's, go back. Deep, Let's yeah. go back. Let's go back.
3: The movie is
5: the Brooklyn Heist uh-huh.
3: with um it was a screech, Danny Masterson. Uh-huh.
1: uh oh. huh <laughs> 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 way off Wait, what, what, wasn't, was he
2: 70, wasn't he in oh, the seven wasn't he of the seventy show that's yeah exactly yeah yo, Milo, crazy. that's crazy that
5: you thought it was screech you know, yo that's, the, that's crazy that he let us say it was screech though yo what's right. was crazy there's actually a movie there's actually a movie with that dude with screech called the heist really, really? he's re- yeah i looked it up he's really in that or is, is
2: what is um Leon is in a movie Yeah you yeah, was is, right about that Is, da- is Danny Masterson A uh, um, Scientologist? He is yeah. Actually yeah See, So yeah, I was, you, right. I, was, I was right He was kind of right He was there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hear the guy From Safe from
1: the Bell Does not look like Screech at all Just the That's curly hair right.
0: Yo That's Milo's a... that Like witness Who like testifies And just fucks up The whole testimony I thought I was bad If I would testify <laughs> <laughs> Milo would kill
1: me. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. That's crazy. Yo, so
0: N2D was a dope movie. Yeah. It is. So, like, you was on the soundtrack. What song was that that he had? Um, I, I wrote
2: it down. So, wait, you said you were working with ESPN. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Where you were you just making beats and stuff? Well, this guy Danny Hawk, he did all, like, those um, basketball shows they had, like, um, and the sneaker shows. So, I just hooked up through with him, maybe through Bobito, and was doing the music for his shows for a while it's just like uh just random
0: beats like yeah uh, just instrumental and do you and i know you're most you like you started out sample bass did you start learning keys and stuff like that a, a little little more? bit
2: when i was making the house stuff but then i realized like i'm always going to be a sample based dude you know what i mean so i started remaking a lot of these og house songs that i had done that were all just original music now with samples because i'm like you know what like grand poobah doesn't necessarily sound good over like a Played out baseline. Right, right, right. <laughs> He's meant to <laughs> rhyme over samples.
0: So when you when you were making beats for ESPN, uh, were you using any samples, or you were still but, lying but just, to them.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> Are you serious? And There it is. Guys. That's crazy. All the TV stuff I did, I would be like, yeah, I made that. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> that's kind
3: of dope. How did but, that was uh, the
2: pay grade? Pretty good. And yeah. just sometimes you got to be um, confident that you're sampling something so obscure that, like, it would But be you real. just chopped um, it up so did much. Did you ever right? get caught up with it? Yeah, I've been sued a lot, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. The song on Duke, uh,
5: Into Deep was uh, The Specialist. Okay. Yeah. Um, Who was on that? It was uh, performed by. We know Ali. Milo doesn't remember. Nah. Performed <laughs> by Ollie Vegas. <laughs>
2: Vegas. Ali oh, Vegas I Oh I remember that I didn't shit. know you did that I remember this song. Yeah. I got no. the song um, No You remember the song?
3: I got a promo They gave me um, They used to give out Like promo records In the clubs I got the promos To a couple of songs From that soundtrack That's That's right you, And you, that was one of them
5: You, Mark Curry they, Prodigy, Havoc And uh, Rob
2: Teele Oh you know what that is? Yeah. They, they sampled a song That I I I produced a remix for Ob Deep, remember uh, G.O.D. Part 3? I was telling that, yeah. Right, so they, in that song, they used a line that Prodigy rhymed. Uh, So I get production, uh, right. Because Prodigy Um, wouldn't have been able to come up with that rhyme if he hadn't heard my beat. That's why you get production credit for remixes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, royalties off of that shit, too? Yeah, isn't that weird? Because they think that the MC on the song where they sampled the song, even though they're just using a scratch, they say, oh, he wouldn't have been able to write that if he hadn't Ooh. heard your beat. Mm. It's a weird kind of publishing rule. <laughs> I like that. Damn, Even man. though you remixed <laughs> the original. Right. Even though all they used was a scratch of Prodigy, but the line that they scratched was a line that he wrote on my GOD Part 3 remix. Mm, so I wow. get credit. Wait, so wait. When you did the GOD remix for Mob D, uh-huh.
0: did they re record their vocals? Prodigy did a new verse, yeah. Holy shit, really?
2: That was one of the best days of my... uh, That day, I remember, when they called me from (laughs) (laughs) loud. They said, we're going to use your G.O.D. remix. It's going to be official. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was, like, the best that could happen. Did
1: you you have a relationship with Prodigy?
2: Not really. I knew uh, his A&Rs, though. Matty C. and Scott Free. You know, the guys who signed Wu-Tang and Ma Deep and them.
5: Yeah. And then on Brown Sugar, you guys had uh, Moment I Feared, Uh which is performed
2: by High and Mighty. Well, Tame One from Artifacts? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He's just redoing the Slick Rick song. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, because Neville was telling me about a bunch of remixes that I don't even remember that maybe were popping, and I was I was probably not able to get into the clubs at that
3: time. You know what? One of my favorites was <laughs> the, um, the One Two Pass. Uh-huh. You did that with Stretch, right? Yeah. Because you took like um, original beats, music uh-huh. from the rappers, old records. See, I never, he put I never heard this. Mm-hmm. I never heard this. This was dope, yeah.
2: And it had uh, How High on the other side, Method Man and Red Man, in the same format. So I recorded that at Stretch's crib, Uh and I would love doing bootlegs at Stretch's crib because he had the best natural timing. The
3: only problem I had was the sound quality wasn't that great. Mm.
2: But he would be able to put the acapella on so perfect. You know, you had to do everything live back yeah. then, the bootlegs. Yeah, nah, definitely, yeah, definitely. So you actually, like, put the acapella on live and recorded it on the ADAT. And the he was, wow, like, amazing man. at it. Like, So I was Shit, like, oh. man. Yeah. And
3: also, one of my favorites was um, All That I Got Is You, uh-huh. the Mary J. Ghostface Killer and Mary J. Blige. You right. did that remix. Yeah. Was that an official remix or that was something you it did? It was, outside? like,
2: an epic promo, you oh, know? Oh, okay. Um, so my dad, I pressed it up as a white label. Because back then. Yeah, that's, I remember right, I had a copy of that. You'd press up white label bootlegs and mm-hmm. you would sell them at Fat Beach and Rock yeah, and Soul. exactly. Personally, yeah. you would go with 50 white labels and you would drop it off. And then you would Shit. go, the Israeli woman at Rock and Soul would call you when they'd sell. And you'd mm-hmm. go and you'd pick up your money. So my dad was like, you know, you should put your beeper number on this Ghostface bootleg. Uh-huh. Just, you know, you never know what might happen. And I was like, dad, that's like corny. You know, like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. And so I did, and like a week later, I get this weird beep, and I call, and he's like, this is James Bubba Bot, Epic Records. Did you put out this Ghostface bootleg? I was like, yeah, but he didn't know who I was. It was just a beeper number. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, we, well, we want to buy it and put it out. Wow. Oh, man. Crazy. crazy. Five grand. <laughs> that was like the magic I'm, number I'm back then. I remember at.
3: seeing the promo of that, um, the Ghostface rocket, mm-hmm. but I got, like you said, I got the bootleg first before... And all I
2: did was put the, the Benita apple a bum sale. behind it. Exactly, Remember it just yeah. said the apple bum yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you cut your data check for that? <laughs> oh, I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Milo. <laughs>
0: did he, it? Did you, you tell him that? I did. And it was like I told you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what
2: did you mean by the 5 5k was the magic number for like production? Yeah. That was like the n- the number you that was like the respectable number that like you take for a remix or an original did beat. you get publishing or you just got the nah, 5k just the 5k
3: damn is that I, any other remixes you did that i might have missed um damn man you're gonna
0: yeah ask him to remember question. <laughs> so, what you about the, the Crookland dodgers bootleg did that's you get another one, one yes uh-huh.
2: yeah Shit, See, I, I knew there was something
3: the, I forgot about. Yeah, I remember that
2: one. What was the Crooklyn Dodgers' that Same thing, putting their known beats behind them. Oh. So, like, when Special Ed rhymes, you'd hear, like, I got it made. And then you didn't get any of those? Dude, I'm fucking ashamed that
1: I don't know any <laughs> of this shit, man. <laughs> what year was this? This was... It's like when it whenever, came out.
2: Yeah, when those records were out. So, yeah. whenever Crooklyn Dodgers and D&D is, it could All have been Stars. 95 or 96. Thank so, you. I was like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was fine at that time. Oh, 95, 96?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. I was, like, in Chicago... Going to, like, college and shit, yeah. I was totally detached. (laughs) Wait,
1: then you kind of invented the remix, not Puffy, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, at the time, we called that blends, right? Yeah, I don't know. And, I mean, Mm. obviously, they were bootlegs. like, if we say blends now, everyone would be confused. But at Mm -hmm. the time, it was, like, remember, like, the, uh, the Kid Capri acapellas over... Just the like I put it over like a hip hop beat, yeah, yeah, like yeah. to
3: impeach the president. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: then like Ron G would do that shit too. Exactly, remember they yeah. put like mm-hmm. remember the time over check the rhyme
2: or some shit like. Yeah. Remember the DJ running things. Those yeah, bootlegs. They'd have three yeah. on each mm-hmm. side. DJ that? running thangs.
3: Yeah, was <laughs> it? <laughs> didn't um fashion do one of those? Did he? I could be wrong. There was a fashion. I don't know if it's the same fashion we know, but there was a fashion.
1: Whose name is on the record? I mean, He's around that age. He's right. the age group where he would be part of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think there's another DJ fashion.
2: It'd be like a John Legend acapella over, like, I'm still number one instrumental, yeah, yeah Harris, know. you know, stuff like that. And then there was that big Stephanie Mills one. Remember something in yeah, the way you exactly, make me yeah. feel? Over yeah. the oh, biggie oh. beats? Woo! It was so hot. I still got that one too, man. One. That was like the Yeah, f- that one was <laughs> so hot. Yeah.
0: I remember seeing that on, was it Young TV Raps or was it. Uh, M- Ralph McDaniel's? No, it was um, MTV Raps. It was. Yeah, when G- Kid G- Capri G- was doing it. Uh-huh. Oh, Kid Capri, yeah, he was doing it live. Yeah, I was like, my, fr- you know, it was insane. Yeah, was, I was. You guys sound whatever. <laughs> Damn, we sound real old right now. So. I know. Right? MTV Raps and shit. <laughs> the so, I don't know if you remember this, and this is something we could keep or we could take this out. Uh, pause. Um, uh, there was a time when Am passed. And I don't know much about the Philly scene, outside of what you know, what I heard. I definitely didn't know much back in the day, but uh, I think it was was all of a sudden like, I don't know if he was just talking shit or he was just like, yo, like I don't understand why everyone's doing this rest in peace am shit. Like I don't know
2: what he did for Philly. And was he? And he was saying like, I don't understand why everyone's calling this guy the goat. Kinda. Really? Yeah. 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 Well,
0: I think it was probably the. I want to say maybe the year after he passed, mm. and everyone was like "rest in peace" or like "shout to the shout to the go best you know whatever the best whoever did it," mm-hmm. and I think he was just kind of like, "wow man, yeah." So especially I, in the Philly scene. So for me, I was like, "yo, who's like?" I, I was like, <laughs> "I was like, why is he dissing this dude? Like, why is he dissing him?" Yeah. And I don't know if he was dissing him, but I think he was just kind of like, maybe like I don't understand man why every. Like, why every DJ in the scene is, like, shouting this dude out. Right. Is there, like, something you could... I mean, obviously, there wasn't any beef between them, right?
2: Well, kind of always been that dude. Like, he's the guy who lives in Philly, but is the huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, You know what I mean? What the
1: fuck are you doing?
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's the, like, the weird against the grain guy. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Well, I think there's a weird thing in Philly, and I don't know where I got this from, but someone it got planted in my head from New York. It's like... Like, a Philly crowds are, like, the worst crowds. Like, they boo everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they just boo everything. They're, like, kind of, like, the OG haters, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in, like, sports and shit. And I don't know where the fuck that got implanted in my brain, but I've just known that, like, if you were DJing Philly or if there was a performance in Philly... And someone's like, oh man, that dude got booed. And they're like, where was it? Philly? Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, yeah, it was in Philly. And I'm like, yeah, don't worry about that. Like, Philly is like that fucking city. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of true?
2: It's true. They've kind of had a complex of being the small man in between New York and D.C., mm. like, overlooked like this, you know? So they've always had this complex. But yeah, like, they threw snowballs at Santa Claus at Eagles games. <laughs> so they're known as being <laughs> what like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah I think. That's definitely yeah, true. like
0: mad comedians would even talk about Philly like, yo, when you do a comedy in Philly, it's like the worst. Like, it's the worst fucking crowd. I saw
2: Eminem get totally booed in Philly. Oh. It did? Yeah.
3: When was this? Like. It, this was like beginning? before
2: the, the first single was out. Mm hmm. Around the same time where we recorded the song for our album. Yeah. And, um,. He performed at this place called Shampoo there, which is kind of, like, notoriously, like, hard to to perform at. Mm -hmm. It was was called Shampoo? Uh That's amazing. (laughs) Yo, (laughs)
0: nightclubs back in the day had the best names, yo, (laughs) Shampoo. Yo, they would never open a club called Shampoo now. Shampoo, Raw,
1: (laughs) Baby Tuesdays, whatever.
0: I mean, that was a night. But, yeah, it was babies, you know. I mean, mean, Shampoo was crazy. Shampoo. It's yeah. tough
1: to perform, man, but it's a So he got booed? Mm-hmm. This is after he
0: dropped the album?
2: Nah, no, before. Not before. before.
1: Jesus. Wow. What was he performing? Do you remember? Sorry. Nah,
2: just songs, like, uh, probably off that EP we were talking about, and maybe some songs that were coming up on the album.
5: Mm. Um.
0: Philly's no joke, though. I mean, I would I would road trip. I mean, like, The Rub, like, DJ Ayers, I mean, Cosmo Baker at the time, uh, and DJ Eleven, they would roll up to Philly a lot to do shows with, like, Catch Dubs and... Uh, some of those dudes over there, and it was like it was use, It was always fun and shit. But I mean that that, that city was no joke. I mean, yeah. like, at like I forgot when the clubs closed, maybe two thirty or two a.m. or some shit, and you try to get like a, a cheesesteak, I mean, there might be some drama that
3: popped off in front of the <laughs> the spot, yo. It was wasn't it, like it was wasn't it, um schooly deep in Philly. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Philly ain't no joke. So like that's the original OG gangster. PSK uh, Gucci Tom.
2: Best record ever out of Philly.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: probably, like, the first gangster record ever, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. That's
5: crazy. As a sports fan, I respect it, though, because they say, like, people that love sports, like, they, like, have so much knowledge of the game. When you go to, like, a Phillies game or an Eagles game, like, those fans, they'll boo you if you're not doing your job, but if you're on, like, they love you. Like, yeah. You a legend in the city. Do they love you? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, they, they love, I mean, they love, <laughs> they love, they love Dr. J. Yeah. They love they, they love, love Iver- Iverson. 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 They yeah. love this. Even Rocky.
3: Even Rock
5: yeah.
0: I feel <laughs> like the Eagles I feel like the Eagles winning though. I mean, I think that changes the city a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like when Boston won. Yeah.
1: Nah, watch. They they might win the NBA when finals. The, the, it's going to be fucking over for that.
0: Exactly. Well, when the when the Red Sox won, right? That's it true. changed yeah. the city a lot. Yeah. And the city, I think they just kind of like it was a lot of closure for them. And I think yeah. Philly'll change a lot. Philly change I think ha- has changed a little bit. Mm. Well, it was the like first the time they ever won the Super Bowl, right? That was yeah.
5: their first Super Bowl. So,
0: And then the Sixers doing so well. Meek yeah. being free. I mean, it's I think Villanova, Villanova winning. Villanova. Like.
1: It's a big year for Philly right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is a big year for Philly, yeah. They <laughs> they not Dude. winning the NBA
2: championship. No way. I, <laughs> nah. Sixers? Yo. Sixers? Yeah. Yo, Milo uh, might just <laughs> maybe. Fuck you up in here. Nah, uh, the inexperience will come into account this year. But yeah. they got a bright future. Nah. You think so? Philly's winning.
1: I got Philly winning. I told you they, that, so. I, I
5: agree with Milo. They got I'm a bright so, I'm, future.
0: I'm so out of the what's going on in, in well, go, sports just, right now. Yeah. So who when not, they're not to the finals yet, are they? No. Nah. Nah. Still second in the playoffs about to start. Yeah,
5: second round of the playoffs. They are
1: facing the Celtics. The Celtics. Yeah. And and the what's
5: and then what's the other what's the other? Uh um, the other two. Teams? The Warriors are playing no, the New um, Orleans Pelicans. Uh the Cavs are playing Cavs in Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> yeah, and Houston's playing Utah. Yeah. I
1: think it's going to be Houston and uh, the Sixers at the finals. Really? Yeah. I got money on that. If anybody D, wants to D, what you that. got?
5: I got I got the Raptors and the Warriors.
1: Mm. So you don't think Golden State going to be in the yeah, finals? Warriors. Team? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. He thinks was, I don't you think You don't. don't think, yeah. The Rockets are looking too mean. The Rockets, yeah. they passing the ball. They're doing everything right.
2: finally playing defense. Yeah.
1: yeah.
5: I think this Philly a sports team. has an excellent chance to make it to the finals, but then – That's where it'll start. Well,
2: the East is so weak, you know. I'm about to say
3: that they never had a good team in the East.
2: The Celtics are decimated, like you know. Mm -hmm.
1: They lost two of the key players. So, yeah. Are you still like
0: like a Philly sports fan, dude? Do you see him
1: dressed right now? He's in (laughs) Sixers colorway. He's wearing some OG (laughs) Air Force twos that came out when Nelly was hot. You know. It's true. It's he's, he's wearing a <laughs> Adidas top and Nike shoes, but he's combining the colors. He's out my, here.
2: It's my Yvonne Lendo throwback.
1: Yeah. So. I'm surprised he didn't come in here with an Irishman
2: jersey or some shit.
1: <laughs> Do you still have family in Philly? Not really. No. Nah,
2: you still go back good. to at
3: least just to visit? Yeah, I go back. You go back to visit? How is it? Like, Has
2: it changed a, a lot? Yeah. Gentrified or no? Totally. Just like Boston. Yeah. Boston, I don't even... Can't even recognize it from when i went to school up there but all these east coast cities are just so different from when boston we was up.
0: super racist was philly
2: super racist
3: uh
2: not as much as i don't boston. think so <laughs> i really recognized it in boston by like my third year of going to school up there i was like oh, <laughs> man,
3: philly had um jazzy jeff and the fresh prince man yeah. <laughs> hey, what does that mean
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, i'm trying to think of a boston group now uh, Ed OG and the Bulldogs. New edition. Yeah. <laughs> new edition. Uh, new edition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Almighty
2: RSO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like reaching here. I got to have it by Ed OG, dropped my freshman year. And I was like, wow, like Boston got some shit. Like classic hip hop is following me from Philly and New York. And little did I know that was going to be the last record that ever. <laughs> oh, didn't, you, didn't you do something with Ed OG? Uh, he's on the OG uh, House, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ed. Yeah.
0: Ed OG and the Bulldogs. I, I feel like they had a couple records, yo.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I guess I got I mean, have that one's a classic. Yeah. They yeah. had um Be a Father to Your Child. Be That's a Father, so that was yeah. big.
0: Yeah. Uh I got to have it and then They had one more. Love Comes and Goes. Is that the name of it? Love Comes and Goes. That joint. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I forgot about that yeah. one. <laughs> I mean it was big for, I mean it was big for us pause. I <laughs> got to have it to beast.
3: Yeah, yeah. still stands man. up. Well, Did oh, it um th- was I I Bugaboo. Would, Buggaboom-ch-doom-da-doom-doom-ch-doom-da-doom. Mm-hmm. We are old, man. Some old <laughs> ass shit. Yo,
0: sometimes when I think back to that, on uh, Ed O.G. and the Bulldogs, I I I mix up their songs with a uh, Double X Posse. <laughs> that's undis- <laughs> no, that's understandable.
4: Because
0: I was about to say, what about not gonna be able to do it?
1: That shit was big. You guys don't no, know that Sugar no, uh, Ray. Yeah, I was born in '89. Sugar Ray. Yeah, that was the lead rapper.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's you remember Knock 'Em Out, Sugar Ray? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> I just remember, they were from Jersey, yeah. I always thought, like, I think back on them sometimes. I'm like, oh, shit that was right. like God. double
5: X Posse, Edel, Edel G and the Bulldogs. Like, yeah, get that. Shit Milo, are you still on Scratch Live? You using Scratch Live? Or oh, yeah, uh, are you big different. on technology? Like, when it comes to
2: um, not so much. I yeah. mean, you know, I know how to use um, able them pretty well, but. I'm not the greatest, but I'm on the the old one. That's Scratch Live, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What are you guys on? You on the new one? I'm, I'm still
3: on it. Scratch Live also. I've I'm been on of DJ Pro.
2: Yeah, I've been on
5: Pro for about three weeks. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I don't think I'm going to go back. I, four it's, months It's really now. good. Scene was showing,
2: showing it to me at his crib. It, it looks pretty dope. It's stable. It's it's yeah. solid, man. It's really good. I don't like how the BPMs go in between. You know, it's like 89.8, 89.7. Oh, 80, yeah. You yeah, yeah, know, like, yeah. while you're mixing. yeah, It's a little, but I guess you get used to it.
5: I mean crooked we were talking about it he loves the uh that you can actually um test out records without having uh, the USB. Mode. yeah the practice mode well someone broke it down i didn't realize that
0: that's why they broke it down to me is that they created that mode for motherfuckers so they didn't have to uh get a mixer oh so because there's actually a fader at the top yeah. so you could literally mix yeah on the laptop and just put it like
1: plug a mini in
0: Mm.
4: And,
1: oh, and record that's a mix. Fucking whack. Why well, is it said was, whack? I thought it was a practice for like to not get up and no, plug it up. It's for them to, to literally re- destroy uh, virtual like, DJ. Yeah, anybody who's trying to get like the you just connect the, the aux. equipment. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's why they did it. That sucks. There's probably <laughs> a mode. There's probably a thing where you can kind. Of, well, I guess you don't need to because yeah, because it's because you can adjust. The BPMs and everything I was gonna say There's gotta be another year Where you can cue the record But I guess you don't need to Yeah Because if the BPMs Are all set up Mm -hmm. You just press start Mm -hmm. Like And and you just start it together Yeah Yeah. That's how That's how everyone's (laughs) living nowadays So Mm, There you go Damn Yeah But uh That's whack Yeah I mean Is there anything We else need Is there anything You wanna talk about You wanna address Something that's Been under your skin Something you like a lot That's been pissing you off Or whatever
3: This is the time to do it yeah,
0: you want to send a message out to any fucking yeah.
2: You want to put the shit. hit 'em
1: up record out? I don't know.
2: Not really. I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he forgot by the time we started the question. Like I said, Vegas can be very. You know, we think that it's the the mecca for DJs here, and it is in a lot of ways. But as you guys know, you have to deal with tons and tons of politics. politics. Yeah, and you know, I know that's a cliche thing to say, but
0: I mean, you mentioned. We were, to, I was like, you know, you're so nonchalant about this era, and then you said like, well, you know, DJing here in Vegas will like, you know, will definitely like, crumble your, mm-hmm. your self confidence or your ego and stuff like that. Do you, do you feel that it's changed the like the way, like your edge in DJing, to you know what I mean? Where you're kind of like, well,
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm expected to go to work every night and totally act like I'm like 100% way more unaccomplished than the other guy coming on. You know, you have to like totally put your ego like, and it's all about the other guy. You know, I always say when everyone says, Oh, you must love Vegas. All those girls. I say, listen, I go to work every night and everybody wants to fuck the other DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. he's first of all, he, first of <laughs> all, wait, first of all, you know? he's full of shit because I see
0: some of the bangers he be walking around in the in the building, Or in the lobby. No, but, I'm like waiting for my taxi cab, and this dude's like, I don't know, his Audi pulls up, some chick walks in with him. I'm like, damn, that's how you living? <laughs> that's how you living, Milo? Nah. that's how we living. Milo talks this
1: shit now way too much. <laughs> sips his drink. <laughs> I understand you, man. He's but, living, you know, it is, it
2: is t- it's a tough, you know, city, like, to to be an entertainer in, you know. And it's like we do have it amazing and we do make more than most other DJs in other cities. But at the same time, it's like there's just, like, this nightclub ego in Vegas where, like, I'll, I'll work with people for three or four or five years. You know, maybe they're in charge of, of taking the DJs from their hotel room down onto the stage. Mm-hmm. And there's always, like, too many of those people employed at the clubs in the in Vegas. Like, they fire other people, but there's, like, eight DJ handlers still on staff. So I'll work with people like that for three or four years, and we won't even acknowledge each other's existence. Wow. Really? Like, they won't even look me in the eye. I come off stage, I'm sweating, I just DJ'd, mm-hmm. and I'll look them in the eye, like, and, they, and it seems to be that type. And then those are the t- types that are, like, really yeah, hard yeah, yeah. to kind of... I've
3: never dealt no. with that.
2: Before. No? No. Maybe, maybe, it's maybe. It's maybe a thing. Thing. No, I'm about to
3: say maybe it's like uh, <laughs> the hip hop DJs is just cool. <laughs> we can probably believe that. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm leave being it in. A I, I don't care anymore. Leave it in. <laughs> nah, nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna forget he sent nah. this shit. And <laughs> he's gonna be like, "Why'd you leave that in?" <laughs>
2: no, nah, all yeah. my people have already left. <laughs> you, know, you still
3: good friends with? Damn, you still good friends <laughs> with Mark Manson, right? Yeah. Still talk, yeah.
2: He's doing a project with Diplo now. I know, yeah, I saw yeah, that. Man. Yeah, Silk City, named after a diner in Philly. Oh, that's <laughs> what it
3: is. Oh, that's pretty fucking dope. I was telling Crooked, um, I feel like you and Ronson like kind of co-signed me because they used to like call me to fill in for you guys when you go out of town. Yeah, and I was, I felt privileged.
0: To I have a get question. <laughs> when, uh, when you, when you first started seeing Neva in the scene. Mm-hmm what were you like, what was your thinking? It's like, oh, so up and upcoming DJ, or this dude's annoying? No, he
2: was always really focused. Like, when he would be watching other DJs, I, that's what I noticed. I was like, yo, he, ready to steal mixes. You know what, no, <laughs> <laughs> he know out.
3: Milo used to be so cool, man. Like, he'll let me, like, he didn't even know me that good, but he'll let me stand next to him while he's DJing. Right. And I'll just look at him, see what he's doing, see how the crowd is reacting. Like, I learned a Sorry, lot from no him. no
4: path. Uh, and, it's, and
3: it's funny. Nowadays, if a DJ was to do that to me, I would be like, yo, security, can you get this guy off the stage? <laughs> Damn.
1: Why don't you pay it forward, asshole? <laughs>
3: no, no. It's a different time, though. It's a different time.
0: Hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, because, uh, yeah, even when I was coming, I think when I was coming up, that was a time when a lot of weirdos started coming to the game. But that just could be me being impartial to the, like, I was, you know. But I think like now, like I remember when I first started in New York, like if you made it to certain clubs, like a DJ would be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about you." Like, mm-hmm. and then they would show a little bit of respect because you made it to this tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, let me let me this, let me see if this dude's cool or he's an asshole. And then if you were cool, they would just be like, "Yo, that that dude's cool." And then you would just get a co-sign kind of.
4: Yeah.
0: But. Like I don't know like, I don't know when it happened Maybe 2003 4 It just got weird Well mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. like
1: To go see DJs And then I Like I pay attention
0: Nah dude DJs are now Weird though right You would never do that now Right No Okay then I'm weird <laughs> 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 I like, just
1: I, I'm just Like such a fan Like I see the DJ that I go And I'm like Oh shit Because
0: you know? it It became a thing With me Where motherfuckers Would stand behind me Or like hang out Or like I would be chill with them And then I'd find out Later that they Try to undercut me and that's when it started, like, I started going through that in, like, 2004 and five. I yeah. never did
2: that, so. Why do you think that, like, in, in your generation, like, why there became so many more DJs? Like, I remember, like, in the days we're talking about the life days, like, you could count, like, the New York DJ, working club DJs yeah, on maybe, like, two hands. Exactly. There was, like, eight guys, and yeah. then it seems like in the early 2000s, maybe, like, it exploded where like everyone was then DJing like what do you think like in that time period you think of Serato
0: no I think Serato was a 2005 thing I think in 2000 I think it was more of it could have been two things it could have been the the fact that they were opening more clubs Mm. and they were like there were more venues and also the music it was just becoming more out there and bigger like hip hop was bigger, like in the club. Like the early 2000s was probably the time when hip hop took over n-
3: nightclubs, mm. right? A little bit, like, because I think it they was. They, I would say it was,
1: um, was 2001, 2002, 2000,
3: 2000 was a, no, before the fifty seven. Like with, with Jay Z,
1: all them dudes. Nelly, but I also think M-M. at that
3: time, like when you guys
0: were coming up, uh-huh. it was a, a, a tighter network. And. And I also think it was it was a lot of fucking I think it was a lot of fucking work uh, to get to have all of these records Mm -hmm. and to have the knowledge of it. And I think my generation was one of the first that like put in like the last generation to really like, you know, we had to buy, you know, we wanted pop like Prince. We had to buy Prince. We had to do the research and we had to do all of that shit but then there were also like all of these other records that were getting pressed that had like all of Prince's best of hits, right. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it was getting a little bit easier and, and then we were learning from you guys and I was learning from Neva and I was learning from Stretch and all of these dudes. And and I just think, uh, I think, yeah, I don't, I think in 2005 it got great, when when Scratch, after 2005, mm-hmm. I think it got really nuts. yeah, like. When Serato came out mm-hmm. and people were like on eBay selling um, external drives of like, because I, I got you on, wait, I got you on Serato, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. it was only because I spent like two, three months transferring all my vinyl, a lot of vinyl and a lot of CDs to, um, computer to, to, yeah, MP3s. and I was doing yeah. that through Pro Tools and it was taking forever. Wow. I, would, I would do like 50 a week and it was I was doing like nonstop and I would... I would have instrumentals. I would have acapellas, and I would cut it. And I would, I would, you know, it would, it was taking
2: forever. Were you guys ever on CDs, or did you go right from the vinyl to the Serato? Remember, there's that CD era where you would. Yeah. I went yeah. right from
3: the um, vinyl to Serato.
0: Vinyl to Serato, yeah, yeah, yeah. same. And, and I think when that when that music came out, and then and then when EDM just started popping, I think it just went crazy. But, yeah, it got weird, man, where. I didn't really want to know anybody. And like, you want to stay away from motherfuckers when before, like, DJs would hang out like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if, you know what I'm saying? Like, a, if there was a new dude on the scene, if I was the new dude, like, I would get introduced to certain people and they would be like, yo, I heard of you. I heard of you. I saw you at Blah, Blah, Blah. You good? You good? And it would be on some chill shit. And then, I don't know, like, around 2004, it got weird. Like, weirdos, like, taking your mixtape and putting their name on it. <laughs>
4: like, weird shit.
0: Just weird shit. It may have been. The social media shit maybe it That fucked a, it
1: up It wasn't weird shit It looked like clown shit
0: Yeah but that's what I mean I like think it may posers. have been like Social media That like was definitely a part of it My space Like everyone Like that whole yeah. era Of like fucked it up Yeah Cause yeah. it was like Oh shit look at this dude How do I get on his top 8 you know what i mean like yeah. if
1: you're trying to get in a guy's top, eight, you're kind of you're whack. Be, Dude, the they would, i would get text messages i would, I get, text messages. I would get text that.
0: messages from weirdos like yo you're in my top eight can i be on your top eight mm-hmm. and you i'm like no out
1: of here but
0: it kind of gave it was like a if you was on
5: a certain person's top eight you looked cool like if you went to am's page and you saw who was on his top eight you kind of thought those dudes were cool if they were DJs, you like damn. Okay, if, if that AM I mean, has but if them, that's you know your boys,
1: I mean? that's fine. But if you're hitting but, somebody up to be nah, on the top eight, You I know guys whack.
5: It became a business thing too. Trash.
2: No,
0: no, it became a business thing because if you were going, if you were a nightclub and you wanted to book AM, and he's like, yo, like, yeah, I'm not, I can't do it, but this motherfucker could do it, and he's in my
5: top eight. It meant something no it was like a cosign yo It's <laughs> kinda i rash. kid you not i know a guy i'm not gonna even say his name don't say his name say the name i'll, I'll, I'll clown
1: we'll that motherfucker. when we'll I, see bleep him, it I swear we'll to god he, we'll bleep it out we'll bleep it out say he his he name knew. i'll bleep it out oh, okay. Okay. He, he,
5: he, knew, okay. he knew he knew am and he went to am and was like yo can you put me on your top?" did it help did yeah it he said he helped it it helped him get booked wow yeah so, what did so. he do? Tell a promoter, yo, I'm in. He I'm was like, AM top yo, I'm, on, I'm in the top eight. He was like, yo, like, and that got him he was trying to get booked at the club. He's like, yo, like, check me out. I'm on AM's top eight.
1: And it worked for him. If that's your fucking pitch, you're fucking whack. But that was the to- you're <laughs> at that ta- at that time. You're trash. I have like, no. Look, listen. The person you just mentioned, I have respect for. But besides that. So, so now
3: you don't want him on a <laughs> podcast?
1: <laughs> no, no. He can come in the podcast. It'd be but, your first question. Uh, yeah, <laughs> off the rip. But, yo, you whack if you like hitting people up to be in the top
2: eight. You're kind of yo.
0: trash. Yo, Milo, who was in your top eight?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anybody hit you up for the top eight? I never got that big on. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, if you, yo, that shit is whack to me. And then you when they,
0: didn't they like expanded to like top sixteen? 16. Yeah. <laughs> yo, I mean it's top sixteen,
1: bro. Number eleven. The fuck out of here. And remember, yeah. you
2: could have a song on your homepage. Too, yeah. Right? yeah. So yeah. people would ask AM to put their remix or their oh, song yeah. on. I there. mean, yeah. that, that I understand. That's kind of <laughs> like the radio in the way.
1: But if you're asking for a top eight, you're a DJ, and you're not beat up there because of your talent, you're kind of trash. I remember, like, you're I would put my,
0: my homies in the first row like second homies and then the, the fourth world was kinda like give a take. I could like rotate motherfuckers.
4: <laughs> <laughs> i, no, like,
0: I, for two I, I, weeks. I like, I haven't talked to this motherfucker in a minute. I'm taking them off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting this <laughs>
1: motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> damn eight. I didn't know top eight was that fucking It was big no, top it, it eight was with big. the DJs it was big, yo. It Pops. was just like a big part of life. Like yeah. if I was like I,
5: dating a chick and I seen she had like a dude in her top eight, yeah I would think something. It was on site yeah i'll be like yo who, uh, you know what i mean like who is that or like if i had a chick on mine like chicks would be questioning like who who is this girl in your top eight it's not that serious w- at, in like 2006 serious. and seven <laughs> it was that serious <laughs> it's not that serious, guys yeah i mean i think that was i the, was
1: on my and yeah i, I understand what I you're saying i think that was but the but
0: beginning stages of motherfuckers faking the funk that they could they could fake that they're a dj mm-hmm. yeah. do you know what i mean
1: Away. What what year was that? Oh five oh six. Yeah, that I was. I was the time when the freaks, was, the freaks started coming out. I was yeah. sixteen, and I was yeah. You know, I was on my MySpace was dope, but. That shit was whack. Did you ever? I mean, this was like I would have that thing where I'd be DJing and a dude
0: would be looking at me, and I thought it was like, "Yo, like you trying to fu- like you trying to thump? Like what the fuck? Why are you looking <laughs> trying at <to> me?" What? <laughs> you trying to thump? Like you know? Trying to fuck up. me? Is what you like, saying? No, nah, like, like <laughs> you <laughs> want to <laughs> fight? You want to? thump. Oh, I'm talking, okay. And I was like, "Why the fuck is he looking at me?" And then he would be like in the back of the room, and he'd be closer, and then he'd be closer, the and then he'd be is like, this a "Video game?" And I'd be looking at him like, <laughs> "Yo, what's like, what's good?" And he'd be like, Oh man, i just wanna say it like I'm a big fan or whatever. Well say like, something. You that was that MySpace weirdo. era, that weirdo MySpace shit. Did like- can I can I take a picture? Like that weird shit. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: and I ain't shit. Like I'm not a DJ. Luckily like you can ta- admit, you, you were Dude, not tagged.
1: Not. So you were good. Like nobody Yeah, but was. I'm not
0: even a DJ that I need you motherfuckers need to be taking pictures with. So that was fucking <laughs> weird. <laughs>
1: Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This MySpace shit. Like is yo. Wild. Like,
0: yeah. At that I'm like the lower tier of the MySpace era. Like that was weird. <laughs> that was fucking weird at that time.
1: <laughs> we're keeping this whole part. This might be the clip. I
0: don't know if we do. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: Cook... still, I still want to know who Milo's top eight was. Though. He's not going to remember that. <laughs> yeah. Never. who's in your top eight? I that we're on the subject. I know Crooked was in my top eight. Was he number one? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think your top
0: four were like me, Eddie, Eddie? Justin.
3: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Justin Eddie, it was like yeah. that. Just
0: the Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> and then you yeah. probably had like the other locals, like OB5 and something really like that. Was, like, yeah, that shit. Yeah.
1: That's cool. Uh, you're approvable. I'm approvable. Yeah, hey. Who was in Chat. your top eight? You bitches. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, mean, I was 15, 16. Well, my football teammates probably, but it wasn't like- You wasn't DJing though, right? At the nah, time. Nah. That's when so. I, the first time I DJ was on my uh, winter break from uh, my 05 to 06 season. And I was 15 in the Bay, 16, 17 in the Bay Area, and I learned how to DJ within two days, and I did my first party, and that shit was pretty incredible. Damn, wow. I, I did fuck up. I hit the wrong cue button, and it restarted the song. Right when tell them when to go was hot. Tell me when to go by E40 was hot, and I fucked up and I pressed something and it restarted the song, and I just heard somebody say, "Oh, you fucked up the song," <laughs> and I was like, two days in, but yeah, that's that was when I started. How about yeah. you, Darren? I know he was DJ at the time.
5: Yeah, but I think mine was more like bottle service and like family, <laughs> like people that I like actually like was cool and close with. Uh-huh. And they... Fucking cornballs, balls, man.
0: <laughs> 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 Yo, there,
5: there's an epic. Uh,
0: there's an, there not was an? Ep- I didn't realize how epic the dinner was. But do you remember this? Yeah, it was. I know when, what you're gonna say. Yeah, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And it was like this picture, and I really did not. It was such a like a regular Vegas night. But I didn't realize how epic it was till later. It was, uh, was it at Stack? It could have been. It was a dinner at Stack, and it was like me, Neva, Eddie, Five, five Obi? No. I'm not sure. Vice? Shecky. 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 Um, Milo, AM. Homicide. Homicide, homicide
2: like, doesn't come to Vegas much anymore, huh? Nah. He used to come time. to Vegas all the time. He when had that big movie. residency, yeah. right? He did oh, Jet. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did blush a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He
5: used to do uh before it was uh uh at, at uh, before it was Jewel, he had that residency too, right? At Hayes? Hayes? Yeah, Hayes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 I remember seeing like homicide on the billboards. Yeah. And
0: I <laughs> and I think that's why he changed his name later. To uh, To Craig, Craig yeah, Craig Anthony. Craig
3: Anthony. Isn't that his running? I'm not sure. That's his I, real name, right? No, yeah. Craig Anthony. That's...
1: That's his that's name. The, Craig Anthony, that's his name.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's his... Right, Instagram, right, yeah. that's what it yeah, is. that's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I'm not tripping.
3: But he's not... He's Homicide again now,
1: right?
5: I don't know who he is. I've seen both. I've seen a couple of flyers
1: Yeah, both. I've seen Craig Anthony, and i see Homicide. Mm. Yeah,
5: I just remember there was just like a big Homicide on the
0: billboards. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, yo, what the fuck? And we were like, <laughs> it's like having like genocide on like DJ Genocide." <laughs> It was just kind of like frightening, like carnage. You know, car- yeah. <laughs> carnage isn't that bad, but the Homicide is just like, yo. It
1: was kind of crazy. It's That's just crazy. like, hey, I'm not going to go there
0: tonight.
1: <laughs> homicide at Hayes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Two weird it's words. a great DJ. He's a great it's DJ. A great yeah. DJ. Yeah. But I think
0: I was, I was just like, yo, you got to change your name. I you got
1: to ask him why that, that he picked that name. That's kind of lame. Like that was the Sugar Ray era. Mm-hmm. But Homicide, that had to be pre-Sugar Ray. Definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. so how did you come up with that name? Uh, well, how did you come up with Mighty Mike?
2: So, well, back in the '80s, you just picked a, a word that went with your first name, you know, mm. an adjective, Mighty Mike. Yeah. Although when I moved out here, I became Mighty Me, for some reason. Did you change? Everyone the name pronounced it. I didn't yeah. it. Everyone it. pronounced it to Mighty. <laughs> me. I said, "Damn, I'd have to be pretty egotistical to have named myself Mighty, Mighty Me." How did, you feel, how did you feel when
0: you first moved out here with the DJ scene? And, well, like the DJs and everything like that.
2: Um, it was cool. Like, I knew a lot of you guys before, you know, but everyone was, was, was cool. Um, of course, I had a couple hiccups, you know, just the whole politics of moving to a new place. And yeah, yeah. the DJ who was there before thinking I was taking their job and that right, whole thing, right, you know. Right. Okay. Um, Name names. Well, you don't want to go there.
3: Bleep. <laughs> we'll bleep it out.
1: I don't remember god damn it <laughs> <laughs> this podcast name is gonna be called I don't remember <laughs> or, or, or we'll bleep it out usually <laughs> we'll it's the guest name but it might be I don't remember what, what guest was this <laughs> yeah I
0: wanna know how much Mighty
1: smokes man <laughs> do you have a favorite uh, type of sativa indica what, are we, what are we looking at what's your, what's your uh, puff of choice if you may
2: I like this local brand called antibiotics Sounds like a word Cool Keith would have used, awesome. you know. And, and <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like shit that fucking the Transformer smoke. <laughs> but it's, it seems to be the, the best stuff. And they have um, this specific sativa strand called Strawberry Lemonade. And, like, mm-hmm. at my age, when you smoke, it makes you tired, no matter what it is, if it's the sativa or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, indica. But this one in particular, like, makes you, like, not... Totally tired and kind of focused on working. Sure, yeah. I like that.
0: Shit,
1: I need to get that. Strawberry lemonade. Yes.
2: <laughs> Sounds, <Cannabiotics.
0: like> <laughs> Sounds like a Prince song. <laughs> Strawberry lemonade. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: did you ever want to invest into like these uh, uh, dispensaries? Yeah, in the game? I want to do that
2: next, Maybe That may be your. you <laughs> Remember when you were saying what you say think That may be it. I have a local friend who makes like these amazing edibles. Like she's like a cut above the rest. So you know. I prefer
0: edibles than smoking sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Me I,
1: don't, I don't do drugs so. or weed.
2: I love doing edibles when I spin. You do it? Yeah. Are you serious? That's kind
1: of like fucking playing Russian roulette because you don't yep. know how hard it's gonna hit you.
2: Nobody can believe that I do it. <laughs>
1: How do you do that? <laughs> do you, like, have, like, if say if it's a gummy bear, do you do,
2: like, three gummy bears or are you just
1: handful? Well,
2: when you trust the person you're getting the edibles from, you know exactly how much to take. There's okay. no, like, you know, bad stories, you know. So I just need some form of euphoria when I play these damn parties, nah. you know. <laughs> so every time you play, you take an edible tip? No, before? no. And now I'm on the smoking tip, so it's either one or the other for me. Like, All edibles right. don't work if I'm smoking. Do so. you like wax? Uh, I had a little wax error. Is that like more preferable? Because it's just. No, then, I, th- I still sort of don't think they know really what's in that. You know, so. I feel it. What about favorite type of edible? Because um, there's tons of
1: like gummy bears and fucking rice krispies and cookies and my homie makes. Um, I see some hot chinos. mini donuts. Okay. These little
2: cubicle gummies. And the beauty of her product is you can't taste the weed at all. Like, that's one thing I hate, when you can taste the weed. Yeah. It makes me almost throw it up. So her thing, it just tastes like you're eating a dessert. It's amazing. Man, huh, so
1: does she have an Instagram page we can follow? Yep. Her? <laughs> Go ahead. Give her a shot because you're going to invest in her eventually. Her
2: um, Instagram is. Um, he forgot. Well, her personal <laughs> one is um, Edible D. Okay. So look that up. Oh, uh, no, sorry. Delicious D. Delicious D. <laughs> D. Yeah. And you see all the product. Yeah.
1: Sponsored by Mighty Mighty. Anything else we got?
2: I don't know. But Delicious <laughs> D sound like like, some, like, the ex-member of High and Mighty. <laughs> I
0: love
3: the, the, the female rapper. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was like the. It's probably edible D. It's
0: probably edible D. Just makes <laughs> just remember. <laughs> oh shit, delicious D. Yeah, she almost, she was almost in high
4: <laughs> <money>. <laughs> <laughs> Hey yo. Uh,
0: Yo, Milo! Thank you so much yeah, for coming you. through, man. Thank yeah, you. Man. you know, thank you. I appreciate it. Yo, thank well, you for like, listening, because
1: you, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for for everything. I'm man. glad we squashed our little beef and <laughs> shit. You know, <laughs> we're <Twitter something for laughs> neighbors. Maybe
3: you could take them to play racquetball. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah gonna get be, up. it's Steam gonna be room. like
0: I feel. Like, I feel like it's gonna be like that scene in Big, where it's just like. You know when he's playing in big? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And then we just like ended up fighting with the ball rolling around and shit.
2: <laughs> hey, man, a life of recreational sports awaits you whenever you're ready to give up the grind.
0: I, I got to give it. I mean, I got I to gotta pace myself with this shit. It's just, it's getting too much, though. So. For real. But, uh, yo, thank you again, man. Yeah, I do. appreciate it. Thank you, much.
1: Man. Thanks for the lives. Nice.
0: Good times.